logo. Booyah. What's up? What up, Primals? The man formerly known as Brian Johnson was eaten, and all that is remaining of him is the liver king. You know the story, man. How'd he taste? How'd he taste? Was he yummy? He tasted uh, better than (laughs) yummy. Have you ever had a king? (laughs) I have not. I have not. I'm just sampling queens in this lifetime, but I'll come back in another lifetime and sample a king. Yes, well, everybody has that barbarian inside of them. You got to fucking eat. That barbarian has to eat that old person, you know, so that you can become that evolutionary hunter so that you can, you know, uh, uh, go on that trajectory that everybody's, you know, has to go on that path. You have to go on that path before you become a king. So if you haven't, and I think maybe you have, Savon, maybe you just got to think about it. When I, I know I was, it was just a, um, a play on sexual talk. I just love the sexual talk just <laughs> excites me. I'm like a sixth grader at heart. Um, oh, I, know. <laughs> I, when I look at you, what I see, I see a world full of mirrors. I don't believe, I think Sevon's just a signifier for this body that my ego tries to hold down as a real person. And it's a whole fucking lifetime of that ad nauseum. And so I think we're just mirrors here. And that's why I think we're all important role models. And when I see you, you set me free. You tell me your being tells me that it's okay to grow my beard long. It's okay to walk around with my shirt off. It's okay to let my my DNA express itself. I I, I learned the I learned the um, the fitness philosophy methodology from CrossFit, and from you, I'm learning the actual personification of it this is like once you do get like that it's okay you can be humble and still walk upright you can be humble and be a king it's just it's crazy what you're doing you're setting people free and when i see people attack you and 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 anyone in your space who's like setting their spirit free through their body um i get it i get it they're they're scared They, they they but but you'll get there you you will get there. I think attacking is like the natural thing to do because you're. It, it is scary what Brian's doing. Is is it scary? T- t- tell me, Mister Liver King. Is it scary taking whatever step you took? You couldn't have been born like this. There must have been like some crazy shit you went through to get here. Oh, there's a lot of crazy shit, and that crazy shit continues. And you know what I would say really is uh, there's all these social norms, right? There's there's all these things that you sort of grow up being taught or fed. And like, why are we supposed to wear a shirt? Why are we supposed to trim our beard? You know, I, I got asked that question the other day, like, what's the deal with your beard? And I'm like, what's the deal with my beard? What's the deal with you? Another man paying another man to buy his disposable razor blades, to buy his aftershave. I'm like, oh, this guy got you. And, and what is this for? So you can look less like a man? You know, so like when people are like, attract hey, women who are less into men, <laughs> I, don't get, I, don't get this thing, right? I don't get this thing or people are like, Hey, why do you refer to yourself in the third person? Well, why the fuck do you refer to yourself in the first person? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's wild to me how people have just like sedated themselves enough to accept whatever it is that the social norms are is the way that they should be. And, uh, and, you know, the other day uh, I, I was talking to Paul about this, you know, like the whole, um, uh, Dr. Paul Saladino. That's awesome, right. dude. Yep. Yep. Okay. Carnivore MD and, um, in the whole, Hey, we should work smarter, not harder. Like, dude, whoever the fuck said that they got you real good because mm-hmm. now you're not doing shit, right? You're the guy who thinks that they can buy their status at the mall. And then you go home and you sit on the couch and you go drive your car and you never really earn anything because you think you're working smarter. 
But man, if you never really worked hard, if you never really went through those crazy times, um, there's not a requirement for hard work today. So if your parents don't teach and preach and model that to you, or if it's not self-imposed, that other part of you, that barbarian part of you who says, I don't give a fuck what everybody else is doing. You know, if you never free that barbarian inside of you, if you never let that barbarian get out of its cage and eat the old being, the old fucking Brian Johnson, you know, well, th then you're relegated to a life of what's already sort of been decided for you. You're mm. going to go stand in lines. I went to an airport. Um, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. By the way, before we go any further, this is Matthew Souza, the owner of CrossFit Livermore, wearing the beautiful red ancestral supplement shirts. He's the producer of the show. Okay, go on. So this is the craziest thing. Uh, Matthew, real quick, are you eating liver? Not yet. Fuck, then I'm just going to call you a brother. You're not a primal. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, we got some work to do. Stack over here, though. Put that shit down the fucking hatch right now, man. Let, let's settle it. That way I can be on the podcast with two badass fucking primals going out and creating the future together. So Let's this is the deal. Hey, but he is eating raw meat, just so you know. We we did get on the raw meat thing. We started with the ground beef, and we have dabbled. We take the ancestral supplements every day. We're we're in the cult, brother. We're 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 just fucking. We're so pumped to know you. We're so this pumped. Yes. Yeah, we feel uh, this energy. So Way here's the deal. Now. Yes. So you're officially did any go? Yes. Here it is. <laughs> you're a fucking primal. This is it. So we are at the airport and there's a lot, there's a long line coming out of man's bathroom. And it's like, how often do you see that? And so everyone's just getting in line. And this just happens in life, right? I mean, everybody just gets in line, just falls in line. And, uh, and they put on their shirt and they put on their sunscreen and they put on whatever, you know, the, 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 the popular advice is. And then they continue to live a life that fucking sucks. And they never really wake up and they never really ask questions. So I told my kids, we're going to go to the front of this fucking line and figure out what's going on. At least we're going to ask some questions. We go to the front of the fucking line. And it turns out that the guys in the very front are waiting for a stall and the urinals are empty <laughs> and everybody's still fucking piling up in line. So I yell back, you know, I'm like, hey, guys, these fucking urinals are empty. I'm going to take my boys in here. We're going to take a piss. And, and then you guys might want to follow leadership. Uh, deal. This is just what can people just accept. Let's just get in line. So I would say along the way, yeah, there's been a whole lot of crazy shit that's been happening, um, but we've seen a whole lot of incredible benefit. And when you see that kind of change in the world, you know, you got to figure out all the ways to amplify this. And this is why we're doing this today, right? We got to get this message out. And at the end of the day, the ownership is on you. Are you going to take massive action? Because most people's lives, you're going to hear me say this over and over today. Most people's lives fucking suck. They're going to a job that they hate. They're coming home to a life they don't love. Then they're taking medication to feel better, to feel happy, and to get hard. And, and they're sedated just enough to get through the week. And then they do it all over again on Monday. And the thing is, there's a simple, elegant solution to living a fucking kick-ass, goddamn worth-living life that's full of excitement and full of adventure and full of joy. You know, the reason that we're here. And it's too too short, man. So this is, this is why I'm like, you know what? Did I want to go on this on your podcast? I didn't really want to do any of this. No, so, no, yeah, I know. Man, You've been asking me to go on a podcast for a over while a year. <laughs> yep, over a year. And, uh, and you probably don't know this, but I told Liver Queen, I'm never fucking going on this podcast because I'm never going on a podcast, period. But I really feel like it's an obligation. It's a responsibility in life. We know what the path is to a better kick-ass fucking life, and it's not getting in line. It's, it's doing these things that stretch us. It's sharing this message and, and, and hopefully motivating 
and creating enough momentum in people's lives to become primals. And so then they can touch the shoulder of the person next to them and they can do the same. Um, I, awesome. Man, you opened up so many doors here. I, when I was a young man, um, I was probably 22 years old. I went to uh, this ball in San Francisco. It's called the Erotic Exotic Ball. It used to be called the Hooker's Ball. And it was run by prostitutes. And they would do this ball and raise money and give it to the orphans, right? And then by the time I got there in my 20s, it was just a fucking raging party, right? And, and that community knows how to fucking party. The, the gay community has gone through like when they party, they fucking rage. So I go to this this party and there's two huge lines coming out the bathroom. Like, you know, it's going to be an hour each. And I've been I'm 22 and I'm just drunk as fuck. And there's a huge silver trash can, you know, like one of the big, huge like ones you just see like at the fair or something. I walk right over to it, pull my cock and balls out. I'm only five, five, get them up over the edge. And I and I pee in the can before I'm done. I'm surrounded shoulder to shoulder by other dudes. I come back 20 minutes later and it's 50 gallons of piss. To the top. <laughs> and I'm like, leadership. <laughs> Fucking a leadership. I, I, yeah. This is I, what an evolutionary hunter does. You leave the comfort of the cave for a better life, for excitement, for adventure, for a better life. And this is what you did. You invented a fucking bathroom. So I could get back to hit on girls sooner. Exactly. This, <laughs> and, and this is what we're programmed to do, right? Like to be healthy enough to procreate. And yes. this is what you did. You, you, you had to figure out a way to get back to do that. So you could pass on your genes or get better at experiencing things to get better at passing on the genes. But, you know, I, I get people who say all the time, oh, um, you know, pissing in the bathroom or pissing in a tub. They're not actually saying this literally. That's not very ancestral. Wearing a hat's not ancestral. Uh, doing a podcast is not ancestral. Flying on a private jet is not very ancestral. And what I always say back is these same subprimal primals back in the day would have said, oh, using a rock to open up a cranium, that's not very primal. Hmm. Using a bifacial blade, that's not very primal. Using fire, that's not very primal. We have a technology story across time. And the real evolutionary hunter pisses in a fucking can when there's an hour line so you can get back to, to your real business. Right. I love it. Yeah, so right. all, all these people, I mean, they say stupid shit like that. I'm like, yeah, I'll say stupid shit all you want. But you go out and do it and, and you see what it feels like when you let that barbarian out of you and you really free yourself. This is the life worth living. Mm -hmm. um, you say something that I really, 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 really like. You're going to suffer one way or another. You're going to suffer one way or another. Can, can you go into that for me? You touched on it when you talked about medications and coming home and watching Netflix as opposed to doing the suffering that we do. Yeah. So it really is delineated either by like active suffering or passive suffering. And I would say most of the world is just passively suffering, right? They've accepted this life that, that they feel that they're just, um, I don't, I don't want to say given, but it's like, you know, if, if you really work for it, if you go into the gym, if you suffer, if you struggle, if you go through the pain, if you earn anything and everything, on the other side of that active suffering is real relaxation, is real peace of mind, is real vacation, is real, God damn it, this fucking tastes good, this looks good, this feels good, shit, everything's good, because you really earned it, that active suffering allows you to really earn and love that, that sort of life that's on the other side of it. And, and then so the alternative to that is when you don't earn anything, when you don't actively suffer, you're still suffering. This is what I alluded to earlier. Most people's lives suck. 
you know, talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends, talk to, you just talk to people. And there's hundreds of thousands of anecdotes out there, if not millions, but at least hundreds of thousands that I've been in contact with. My life sucks. I have depression. I have anxiety. I really want kids and I can't have kids. I have these autoimmune conditions. I have low energy. I have low libido and I have low ambition and low ambition in life. How horrible to be relegated to a life like that. And so we know this, right? That if people, people, most people are suffering, are struggling, and they're passively going through these motions, and there's not much they're doing about it. They're looking for quick fixes. They're looking for these solutions because we're taught or told, hey, let's go get in line, aka let's go to our doctor. Let's go take a pill. You know, let's go do this thing, and let, let's go see if we can be sedated just enough, right, so that we can come back and do it again. So you can actively suffer by, by putting forth the effort by enduring some fucking pain, some suffer, some struggle, and really earning it. I make my kids earn everything. If mm-hmm. they get on the electronics for 40 minutes a day, they earn that shit. A lot of people are like, oh, you're liver king. I bet you don't let you. I let them earn it. You know, if they earn it, they can do it. And so we're either actively earning it, actively suffering, or we're passively. One way or another, you are going to suffer. So why not choose to suffer in a way that you, be, that, that you can create a life that's goddamn worth living? So this is what I talk about when, it, when, when I'm start talking about, hey, you're going to suffer one way or another. Get your ass in the gym. This is the easiest way to shift your state of being is to work hard in the gym because after that, you really know what it feels like to relax. Because guess what? Before that, you were already relaxing. <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you were already not doing shit. And yep. so you don't even know what, what that demarcation point looks like because you never really changed anything. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, so it does. A, 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 a kind of a real world example of that too. Uh, give you two. One, they say pay pay your money, your 150 bucks to go to the gym, or save that money because you're going to need it to go to the hospital in 10 years. Mm-hmm. So do you want to pay now or do you want to pay later? Do you want to suffer later? Suffer now in the gym, work hard, and then and then you don't have to go to the doctor in 10 years. Um, but in another 10 thing years, is you're going to be suffering every fucking day leading up to that point. Right. You know, I mean, the, the, the suffer, the passive suffering is exponentially greater. And, and, you know, there's no major peaks and valleys. These are like valleys that are just slowly getting bigger. You know, so the difference between actively suffering and passively suffering, uh, it's drastic. It's night and day, you know. So get out there. We, we're wired to work. You know, we're wired to do these things. And as evidenced by, you know, the, the feel-good neurotransmitters that we get, the rewards that we get afterwards. You know, like this, this is the whole evolution of dopamine and endorphins is to reward certain behavior. You get out there and fucking work and you feel amazing, right? We get rewarded for that. That active suffering produces a life. You stack a life and in a week, your life is pretty, it's better. In a month, it's Way better. better. In a year, you know, you, you can become anything you want. So it's a different life. Greg Glassman used to say um, that it w- if you start CrossFit, three things are going to happen to you. You're either going to – your relationship's either going to get better or you're going to get out of it. You're, gonna, um, you're going to uh, get a raise or you're going to get a new job. And what was the third thing? It was something along that line too. I forget. There was a, do you remember what it was, Sousa? There's yeah. a third thing. But basically once you start changing your life – Everything around you will start to change. I even just now, before this podcast started, I told myself, okay, you get you get to interview the Liver King today. And I feel this way about all my guests. What are you going to do to make sure that it's a great interview? And so my wife's like, hey, you're 50 years. I turned 50 today. She's like, why don't you go out there and do 50 burpees as fast as you can before the podcast? I said, excellent. But really, I was inside like, fuck. 
<laughs> the fucking queen assigned me. I've never done 50 burpees as fast as I can. I've done 100 as fast as I can, but you can kind of hide in there. 50, you can't kind of, you can't hide. There's no like, okay, I'm resting. So I went out in the garage, rode that assault bike for 10 minutes, uh, reviewed my notes, and then got out there and I, I did uh, 50 burpees and 157, took a cold shower, and bam, here I am for you. That's a great time. And I earned it. You know what I mean? Like, like you're saying, like, I feel like I earned it to be here with you and Susan now. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, th- this is the approach that I have with almost everything that I do. There was a time I was going on a hunting trip with one of my sons and uh, I wanted a piece of gum. And I told him, hey, I'm going to just talk you through everything that I think about because, you know, by default, we just we just do stuff. You know, we don't explain everything we do. We just do stuff. And so when I'm on vacation or I'm connecting with just one, one of my guys, I explain everything to him. And so um, I say, hey, I really want this piece of gum, but I'm not going to have this piece of gum. You know, I'm, I'm going to wait 15 minutes before I eat this piece mm-hmm. of gum. And he's mm-hmm. like, why, why, why are you going to do this? And I said, well, this is how I do everything. You know, you're going to earn it. You know, if you just go ahead and, and, and I'm going to do, uh, <laughs> I made a story about this, um, doing a workout in the car. You know, you can do isometric, isometric holds, you know, and you can start sweating. And I'm getting a pump in my biceps and my, sh- and I'm like, I earned that piece of fucking gum. <laughs> and, and, and you know how it tastes better. Everything tastes better, man. When you earn it, life is just better when you earn it. And and do I, I you know what? I'm absolutely, I'm obsessive about this. You know, I, I'm sure that I've taken myself to depths. I don't recover nearly enough, um, but it, it's the way that I'm wired. And and so I hear a few people um, criticize, you know, that Liver King way. Hey, aren't you overtraining? What kind of message are you sending? You know what I'm really worried about? I'm, I'm worried about, you know, these people that are passively suffering that aren't doing shit. Do I give a shit about the less than 1% like me that are overtraining and I'm going to encourage them to overtraining, you know, overtraining. I'm, I'm not worried about the liver Kings. These guys will figure it out. I'm worried about the rest of the world that don't earn shit. Yeah. So you can, you can take this as far as you want, you know, and, and it's a great thing if, if we're out and about somewhere uh, and we're going to a meal, let's say we're going to liver Queens parents house. Um, if we're over there, I'll either do a workout right here at my house, or if we get there, I'm going to do a work. I'm either going to do burpees, I'm going to do a few max separate pushups. I'm doing something before I eat, and it and everything tastes better, and you're in a better mood. Everything's better, man, when you earn it. Do you know the raw meat guy? He's on Instagram. He had really, really bad skin for 15 years. He had acne that was so bad. He's a kid. Uh, maybe he's not. A, how old is that guy, Souza? Will you bring up his Instagram? Yeah, I'm bringing it up. His face was covered with acne. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure he learned it from you. He got turned on. He started eating raw meat, and within a week, 15 years of acne gone. He said that he couldn't wear a T-shirt for more than two months before he had to throw it away. This guy. Do you know this guy? No. Okay, so I had him on the podcast, and it was on a Monday morning, and I never eat on on um, on Sundays. I um I, I stop eating Saturday night, and I don't eat again till Monday morning. Well, when he was on the show, um, it was the first time I ever just opened up a pound of raw meat and ate it raw. And it's exactly what you said. It tasted so good because I hadn't eaten in 36 hours. And I would recommend anyone to take that wisdom uh, that Liver King just gave us. If you want to try a new food and in the past you hadn't liked it, whether it be liver, grapefruit, I don't care what it is, fast, fast for 24 to 36 hours. Let your palate really, really need something. And uh, do you ever do you ever do that? Do you ever notice that? What I'm saying is that along the same lines as you're thinking. This is life. You yeah. Know, the same goes when we I'd see probably some... eat a snail after 48 hours. Oh, that's a good <laughs> snail. When, when people have never really worked, how does vacation feel for them? 
Right. You know, right. When you've right. always stuffed your your mouth with the foods that you've wanted, how how do you think that next meal really tastes and makes them feel? You know, so um, every once in a while, when when I'm talking to my kids and and they're feeling um, like they're overworked or they're overdoing things, they're not really enjoying something. I either remind them of the vacation coming up and how much they're going to love that vacation. Or I'll, I'll remind them, hey, what if we did another fasting mimicking diet right now? Just remember what that's like. And, and how does it feel when you have your next bite after that? So this advice is not just for food. This advice is really for everything in life. Um, we had uh, Patrick Bed David on. He's a businessman and in, in, insurance guru. Got like 20,000 agents, 150 offices, big time guy, right? And he was talking to us about being a young man. And this was I was I thought this was so amazing. He told himself he was in his 20s that he wasn't going to allow himself to have sex until he made a million dollars. So he stopped <laughs> having sex and it took him 17 months. 17 months to make a million dollars. Yeah. So it, 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 what, go ahead. But, but I just like the motive. I like the motivational factor for that. It's like the gum thing, right? You're like, well, I'm going to have a piece of gum. Um, and, and so the reward would be a 15, you'd be a 15 workout for a piece of gum, but to, to be with a woman, you got to make a million bucks. And I just, I love this kind of experimentation with life to put the brain under that much stress to really earn the reward. And, and, and there really, maybe there is no greater reward that we have as humans than the union with, with the opposite sex. I mean, it's, it's fuck. It's so cool. It's, I mean, it would, it would be horrible if we were like amoebas and we just split. You know, I, the thing is, there, there's a lot that goes hand in hand there, right? Um, when I was with the Maasai, we were asking them, uh, I, I asked this gentleman, um, Amigbe, if, uh, if he had a wife. And he said, no, not yet. And I said, how come? It's because he doesn't have enough cows. And so to, to pay the dowry, he needs to, to make the equivalent of a million dollars to get a wife, to, to have you know, the, those, those cows so that he can also procreate with her. So th this is something, right, that, that transcends time, that transcends cultures. Wow. Like, we need to be worthy, right? Like we need to have resources. We need to have status. We need to say um, that, that we have value too. And so, you know, the, I love that he did that. Everything on the other side of earning it, man, exponentially better. You amplify everything. Um, so I, I was in Africa in, um, in, a, in, um, in, in Kenya in between. I've been all over Africa, but there was this village I was in in between Mombasa, which is on the coast, and Nairobi. So Nairobi is the capital of Kenya, and Mombasa is on the um, eastern seaboard. And there was this, a, a town there in the middle called Moi, I think, M-O-I. And then inland there, there was this, there was this tribe, right? They had, it, was like, it was like probably similar to your experience. They have no objects, right? They have like no – like their, their bowls are made of wood. They live in teepees and mud huts and all that shit. Anyway, so I was there filming this documentary, and um, – this uh there, there was a father there and he uh, there was a grandfather there and he was 80 years old and he had five grandkids and his daughter had died and they were five grandkids from five different fathers and now he's taking care of them from like three years old to like 12 years old so i was there filming with him for two weeks and i bought him goats i can't remember if it was four or six goats when i came back a year later he had a wife and i said how did you get the wife and it was what you said. He said, I bought him the goats and the wife showed up. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I mean, that wasn't even my intention. 
<laughs> this is it. This is the dowry. This is how it's done. You know, one way or another, you know, you, you're going to work for it. You're going to earn it. You know, I, I don't know if he really built that status on his own. It seems like you helped him out with it. Right, you know, right. But everybody can, can you know, take a helping hand. He better transform and become that person that would have built that status on his own. You know, yeah. Um, but but yeah, that's an incredible thing. This still happens. You know, when when he told me that, I was like, oh shit! Like, did you hook him up with a cow? I, what I said <laughs> is, I go, how the fuck are you gonna go get some cows? How are you gonna go get your five or seven cows? And he said some excuses, some bullshit. You know, and and I said, what you need to do is you need to go fucking kick someone's ass and go take their fucking cows because this is also the way that it's been in the past, right? The easiest thing to get something that you want is you go to the neighboring tribe. And you impose your force of will and you take that shit. And he just thought it was hilarious. You know, he's, he's really laughing, you know, mucking it up. And I'm like, at some point, you got to do something. You know, you can't just wait for your dad to give you seven cows. What if your right. dad never gives you seven cows? You got to start figuring out how are you going to go get those cows? So, no, I'm, I'm not about to give this guy seven cows, you know, again, because at the end of the day, you know, it, it sort of says the, the worth and value and the status that you have as a man. I get, go give this guy seven cows and now they're, they're done with those cats. And now the wife is thinking, who the fuck is this guy that I thought was worthy of, of possessing seven cows? Mm. Yeah, so th- this, this is not something that I would contribute. Uh, I think it's great that you did this, Savannah, and, and you helped this guy get married. This is not a limit. <laughs> I corrupted him. He was 82. It was crazy. <laughs> hey, he was he um the one object that I did see he had is he had a razor blade and he kept it in this um in the skin of this animal. And I remember he would cut his own nails and all his kids' nails with this razor blade. And it was it was hairball. It was hairball. Um Brian, these um the the organ the organ pills, what I've done is I've taken them all out of these bottles here and I put them all in one glass giant jar and I shook them all up. And I take between six and 12 every single day. But I'm just curious, how are those made? How, how, and, and how, how actually you and I met is like when I, so Paul Saladino introduced me to the carnivore diet basically. And then I use that to kick my last bit of sugar addiction. I really not, I don't even know if it's addiction, but I didn't want to eat any added sugar, refined carbohydrates anymore. So I found this thing, Paul Saladino. And basically he said, um, you could just eat meat and, and and you should eat organ meat. So I just did that for a month and I started feeling a little weird. Something was off. Like my heart felt a little weird. My my fingers started feeling weird. And that's when I he pointed me to heart and soil and to ancestral supplements. And basically, literally within hours, that shit went away. It was, it was, I've never had a supplement affect me like that. You know what I mean? It was like, mm-hmm. it was, it, it felt like I took a drug, but it's probably, and um so I've, I've just been sticking to it and then i would always make these jokes on my instagram here i am taking dead animals in a pill and uh and then that's how i met some of your people we started they started like teasing me on instagram i teased them back and we became friends and and then i wanted to have you on the podcast not because of this but because of the incredible story of how you helped your kids which hopefully we can get into but how do they get the um how do they get the like dead animal parts in those capsules yeah it's not rocket science, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> help me out. With the animals are slaughtered, you know, mm-hmm. and, and all the organs are collected to specification, and yeah. and so um, once that's that's happened, uh, then we go to a freeze dry facility. Uh, we mince everything, we grind everything. Everything is uh, gently freeze dried. So I don't know how. What does that mean, freeze dried? What is that? I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I, I would say Google that shit because for me okay. to try and explain that technical process, okay. um, what, what we're really doing is taking the moisture out of it to get to a water activity level of 2% or less. And so if you can get to that sort of water activity level, you know, there's multiple ways of drying things. You can either use heat, 
uh, or this sort of vacuum sublimation where you're taking the moisture out. But any way you look at it, you're trying to get all, all the moisture out so that you can turn it into a powder and so that the microbial load is virtually non-existent. And so then you can get it into a capsule and then you can get people to not have to taste it. And then people can let it change their lives because, you know, we've evolved with organs, glands and organs since the inception. You know, and, and you could make the argument that the first organs we ever consumed that made us who we are today is the brain and the bone marrow, right? Before we could go out and do our things as, as predators, you know, we were scavengers and we would wait for the predators to go and do their things. And when they would leave the kills, oftentimes all you had were the skeletal remains, but you could take a cranium, you could take a, a long shaft bone that had marrow in it. You could break that shit open with a rock or you could smash those, you know, together wow. on a rock and you could access the brain, you could access the bone marrow and then the cranial vault starts to explode. And then we start to learn how to make other weapons and we learn how to how, how to hunt and we learn how to then take preferential uh, uh, access of the animal. But we've always had organs, right? We've always prior in, in modern day primitive culture tribes. This is what they go for first. Nobody's going for the muscle meat first. Everybody's going for the organs first. And a lot of times then you're full. And you're not even eating the muscle meat. This mm. is going to the dogs or this is going for something else. So it's just really important that this is the nourishment that we evolved with over millions of years to become the apex predators that we are today. Yet it's been missing from the diet for decades, if not hundreds of years. We've been favoring this tender, fall off the bone muscle meat that's it's not nutrient void. But if you compare it to organs that are completely rich of nutrients and peptides, this is why this has to be in the diet. This is why this is one of the nine ancestral tenants. The second tenant is eat. And if you let liver in your life, you, uh, you, you said that it helped you with, uh, you're having some issues and it helped you with the, the sweet, the sweets. But no, basically I, I, I got on, I went on to the carnivore diet so that I could feel like I could eat as much as I wanted and that, that I could leverage that to not eat sugar. So I did that, and I, I'm assuming I went into ketosis. I started craving fat like like no other. Like I wanted to eat avocados and nuts like they were going out of style. But then after about a month, I was having some circulatory issues. Like just my, I noticed my hand, my fingers, and my feet would get a little cold, or I would hear my heart sometimes. And the second I started taking the ancestral supplements, all that shit went away. Like within hours. Yeah, and so most people don't even know what they're missing. <clears throat> You know, but but I'll tell you again, we always had these organs, right? And people are like, oh, why should why should I eat liver? You know, what's in it? And I can tell you the riboflavin and the choline and the B12 and the heme iron and the peptides and the, you know, all, all the good stuff that's in there. But but the gist of it is alpha organisms have always selected the organs first. Mm. Right. If you want to be like a lion, like a killer whale, like these badass modern day primitive culture tribes kicking fucking ass in life, this is what you need to be eating. Right. And, and so you don't even know what what micronutrients or what peptides you're missing. A lot of people, there's this reductionist thinking, oh, this is protein, protein and fat. This is so much more than that. Right. Food is a signaling mechanism. Food, food is information that we interpret that allows us to epigenetically express something. And so when we've been missing the things that we've evolved with for millions of years, chiefly liver, bone marrow, brain, heart, thymus, kidney spleen, you name it, we've, we've taken that out. And that's the stuff that allowed us to grow into, into these baddest mammalian predators that ever lived. We, we recently took that out. And so when you add that back in, this is what happens. You know, your skin tone comes back, your energy comes back, you know, um, things that you, you didn't even know that you were living a suboptimal life. 
the best yes. version of you starts to express itself. And this is really why the name is Liver King, because because I, I, it's not like some egotistic. Well, maybe part of it's egotistical. Right. But like it, it really is because liver is king. This is what I want people to know. Like in a 60 second clip on Instagram, if I'm making a story and I say Liver King here, one more time, I'm going to say Liver King. I'm going to refer to myself in the third person for branding purposes. And then Liver King out. You heard Liver King three fucking times. And mm-hmm. it's liver king because liver is king. And when I went to New York City and people were like, oh, liver king. And I said, why is it liver king? And half of them know because liver is king. I just said to one of my kids' friends, I was coming into the house to, to come do the podcast. And he, he calls me liver king. And I said, why? And he goes, because liver is king. And so oh, this God, I love this. Oh, it feels amazing, right? And, and so this is the story behind liver king, right? Because I want everyone to know that liver is king. And if you start eating liver, you're going to pull the biggest lever of your life. You're going to become a primal. You can start embracing more of the nine ancestral tenets, and, and then you can become anything. You can express your highest, your most dominant form, and then you can become a king. So this is why it's liver king. And when you start eating these organs, you start to learn. You don't, you don't even know where you have deficits, right? You start eating liver and bone marrow, and your energy is better. Your sleep is better. Your mental acuity, acuity is better. Your libido is everything gets better. And, and you don't even know that you were living suboptimally until you start to fill up the tank. Are you having any, um, how are you doing mentally with all of the attention? How do you go from not wanting to do this stuff to like, were you freaking out in New York city? Like, do you have to like, are you working on your breathing? Is it like a shitload of stimulus for a man like you? You know what I mean? Like, are you, you must be like crazy sensitive to all that shit. It's just fun. I'm having yeah. fun oh, with it. I love to you know, hear that. Early on, um, it was like, fuck, I have to do this. I have to do this. So I started doing it. And, and you know, I gave myself a time. I'm like, oh, this is a two-way door. If I don't like this, you know, at the end of the day, people pay for value. And they pay for value with time or money or both. And so a follow- followership of primals is an indication to me that what we're doing is valuable. If we're creating valuable content, then more primals will come. And so when we saw the audience, the followership growing, I'm like, oh, my God, we got 100,000 followers this quick. And now it's 200,000 followers. And it's like I wasn't loving it. And I said, holy shit, I got to figure out a way to love this. And so I started having more fun with it. And, uh-huh. and, and I think as you know this, like I love the metaphors like putting reps in in the gym. It's just like a metaphor for putting reps in in life. And with enough reps, I got less concerned about the process and a whole lot more concerned with do, doing Barbarian and Times Square. Do you know how much fun I had doing that? Yeah. You know? I, did you actually, how, how far did you pull that there? A long fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My guys. Um, what did was, the cops say? Did the cops say anything to you? This is great. When we went to Grand Central Station, the, the, the first cop was like, hey, this isn't going to happen. You're not going to do this here. Another two cops run up. And they want my fucking picture. They want to take <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Because I, I, y'all, I don't get out. I don't yeah. get out. I don't. I mean, I love the life that I've created here. You know, I, I live on acreage on the water, and then in Liver Texas, Ranch, in Texas, right? In, in Texas, and then Liver King Ranch is thirty minutes from here. Five hundred acres at Liver King Ranch. There's nowhere else I want to. I, I love. I don't have to go out for anything. And so when I went out there, and I realized like the cops, the police officers know who Liver King is, like. This was a special thing, you know, and, and so it's up to me, like, I want to do barbarian because if you have a breath in you, then you have strength in you. And if you have strength in you, you got to preach and teach this message. And you know what this is about the barbarian, right? It's the barbarian that lives inside of us. Every man's got this barbarian in him, but he's been caged. 
And we got to figure out a way to let this fucking barbarian out of this cage and eat that previous version of himself. And when you train barbarian, you have to let that person out. When you do barbarian, you have to let that person out. You know, and I say this every Saturday. This is a way that we honor early ancestors, our recent ancestors, and all of that ancestral heritage in between so we can be here today and we can enjoy the spoils of the modern world. There's a lot of other reasons why, why we train and we do barbarian, but this is a big thing that, that I want to make sure that uh, we showcase to the world is I, I want to take special places. I want to go to, to the Kremlin, the Taj. You know, I want to go to several places and do fucking barbarian you know, and, and explain why we're doing barbarian. And the craziest thing is I see people from all over the world training barbarian and figuring it out a way to get it done. They're using paint. They're holding paint cans for kettlebells. You know, they're building makeshift sleds. They're finding animals to put on their, but there's, they're figuring out a way that they can train barbarian. So like, there's something special about doing this. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, this guy wants you to culturally appropriate him. Take whatever you want from this guy. Take, take, grow the beard, um, walk around with pride. Um, you are so awesome. It is so cool. You, you are the walking example of it. I, 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 I just love when you pop up on my Instagram because then I can take, I can be like, oh, yeah, 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 that's me. Like, I can, t that's, I'm that same guy. We're all just mirrors here and I'm him. I can be like that too. And, and there's, and all I have to do is connect with you one place and then the rest of it keeps growing. So one place we definitely connect is shoes. People would all the time. I was, I've been, I'm a barefoot man. I've been barefoot before it was cool. Like I, I was lost my shoes in college and I just never put them back on. People would be like, why are you barefoot? And I'd be like, no, no, no. You're the one who put shoes on. <laughs> I wake up like this. You're you make decisions because you're confused. I don't make decisions. Like I put on shoes. Like if I was going in the snow, I would put on shoes. But or if I was, you know, but I but I didn't even need shoes to like I could I could when I went to Cabo San Lucas, I was down there for two weeks in the desert. And even the locals were like, holy shit, he can walk barefoot down here. Yeah. The bottom of my feet are like leather soles. I could step on tacks. Nothing. And, you know, um, we've always had this connection to the earth. Yeah, uh, th th this is ancestral tenant five is connect because th there's a slightly negative charge on the earth and, and with rubber soled shoes, buildings, elevated beds <clears throat> and car, you name it, like how it, it's sad how few people actually connect with the earth and, and how many people make up excuses. Oh, it's cold. It's you know hard to walk here. And, you know, the Machiganga tribe in the Amazon, they don't have any shoes. Um, some of the tribes in Africa, they did have shoes. Some didn't have shoes or they had sandals. I'll never forget um, on a hunt with the Hudza. They were booking it. These guys move so fast. Is and it nice to see them move too? Like, do you want to just, is it like watching gazelles and shit? Or are you like, wow, these are movers, beautiful movers? I've never seen humans move like this. Yeah, awesome. And, and, and yeah, wow. like I've said this before, I'll say it again. They're beyond one mind. You know, the, the way that they move before you can think about it, they're moving in tandem. There's this electricity and intensity. And once again, you know, they have to be successful on the hunt because if they don't, if they're not successful, they don't eat. And if they don't eat, they die. This uh, this this one tribesman in front of me um, has his sandals on. And like I said, he's fucking booking it. His sandal broke. And I was so happy. I was so happy that it's time to slow the fuck down. <laughs> it's a little bit. I'm like, okay, when's he going to fucking pick it up? And uh, and so I'm like, I'm counting. I'm thinking, I'm like, I give him to 10. I'm like, one, two, three. I get to 10. He He finally picks it up without breaking stride and doesn't slow down. Not only does he not slow down, I'm behind him. He doesn't know I'm watching him or what's going through my head. He kicks a fucking rock with his bare foot. And I really think maybe these guys know when you have the selective pressures that they have, I think they can communicate. 
I don't want to sound like a total freak, but almost no, no, no. And it's almost like he knew what I was thinking. And it was almost like, look at what the fuck. Not only am I not going to slow down, I'm going to show you this thing. You've never seen feet like this, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) These guys are the wild Bushmen. And it's incredible the way that they move, the selective pressures that they've overcome and adapted to what we're capable of, what they're capable of. You know, um, it's, it's such an incredible, valuable experience to know, like, man, we are capable of so much more than what you think. You know, so um, the, the connection that we've always had to the earth, this is one of the ancestral tenants. Primitive culture tribes still do it. They have nowhere else to go. You know, they're sleeping on the ground. Um, they, they might not be connected all the time when, when they're wearing their sandals, but when they're sitting down, they're connected. The Machiganga, like I said, are always connected because they don't even have sandals. And, and you know, w- when you're walking hand in hand with a, with a loved one and, and you're, let's say you're on the beach or anywhere uh, and you have the sun shining on you, you're forced to be in the, the deepest parasympathetic state. You know, imagine that state of abundance. Imagine the way that that's healing you. And so few people return to that. People, you got to know what it feels like to have the grass, the sand, the earth beneath your feet. To connect like that is an important ancestral tenant. I'm just going to take this just a little bit further. You know, when, when, when you're in a deep parasympathetic state, you probably know that you can be in a beta oxidation state. You can burn fat for fuel mm-hmm. versus the contrast. You know, if, if you are stressed out, and you're living a life of scarcity, then you have your glucose is high, your cortisol is high, you're not burning fat for fuel. Every nine ancestral tenant helps to shape how we look, feel, perform, and function in the, in the modern world. And so people like, hey, you don't want to do it because you think it's hocus pocus or it's not good enough for you to understand that this is the way we evolved with millions of years. We were always connected to the earth 24-7, 3 six. That's not good enough for you. You should at least know that this is going to affect your body composition. You want to look lean? You want to be ripped? you got to start fucking grounding. And, and a lot of people will start to just notice like their resting heart rate goes down. Their mm-hmm. blood pressure goes down. Their autoimmune condition is less flared up. You know, they can sleep better, you know, and, and it's, I get it. It's tough, you know, to go from zero to 60. You don't got to start with 30 minutes or an hour. Start with two minutes. You know, if, if you like how that feels, go to five, go to 10. You can always find ways to connect. And this is why we went to New York City because I can't tell you how many bullshit excuses I get. Oh, you can't live ancestral in the city. Not if you're a city guy, you can't, you can't do it. And I knew that they were full of shit because of how many other primals will send me messages and success stories of how they do it. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go and I'm going to show them how to do it. I'm going to show them the way that these other primals, you know, in the, in the big city do it. There's trees everywhere. There's trees everywhere. So again, it's not fucking rocket science. You touch a tree. If you don't want to take off your fancy shoes and, 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 and stand, you know, there in that plot of, of dirt, you can touch a fucking tree. And boom, you're connected, you know, and some primal thought he was wise. And he's like, uh, you know what? If you're connected to the cement and that's connected to the earth, you know, how far can you take this? There's polymers and there's other things like that, right, that are going to disrupt the conductivity to really be connected or grounded. But, man, that, that's just an important thing that you brought up. Connecting to the earth is a profound ancestral tenant. It's free and, and you're going to derive massive benefits once again to express your highest and your most dominant form. I took my kids to the mall yesterday. First, two five-year-olds and a seven-year-old. Never been to the mall before. We get out. We walk in there. They're barefoot, of course. Why would I tell them to put shoes on? It's like, we're in there, and <laughs> um, and they see it. We're in this. It's like it's a shopping store called Kohl's. It's kind of. It's. I guess it's like a Macy's. And and I was going in there to return some shit that I got from Amazon. They have a space where you can just dump it off and they scan it. So I took the, the kids are like, we want to go in. I'm like, all right, you never seen a place like this. So we go in there and the first thing they walk in, they're like, holy shit. I'm like, what? They're like, it smells crazy in here. 
And I'm like, oh yeah, shit, it does smell crazy in here. They're like, I've never smelled these smells before, right? And it's just all fabrics and perfumes and just like cleaning products, like stuff that I just block out because I'm a 50, right? That I've smelled a million times. And then they see, you know, in between the departments in the department store, like the, the lingerie and the underwear, there's those long strips and, you know, they have all those tiles on the ground. And my boys think it's a fucking track track and so they just start doing sprints and put it on my instagram 25 yard sprints back and forth and they're doing races and setting up races and people are just stopping and staring at them and taking pictures i'm just over there returning my shit at amazon I'm like it. like i'm a, like part of me wants to be the parent and tell them to stop i'm like no let someone else tell them to stop ancestral tenants yeah. multiple ancestral tenants you know that the, these these guys are doing a whole lot better than you know the, the people that are watching them is this it yeah, yeah, this is it. They're in the mall. They're like, what the hell is look at look at and they're they just start doing sprints here. Oh hell yeah. And they're tripping on the floor. They're asking me, hey, can we take any of this shit home? <laughs> they just want to know they know want to know everything about the store. I'm like, I just do just keep doing what you're doing. And I don't know. Hopefully we don't go deep into this rabbit hole, but you know, a lot of those smells that they're smelling, I'm sure that you know it. If you can smell it. It's getting into your lungs, and if it's getting into your lungs, you're diffusing that into your bloodstream. And you know, a lot of this stuff is just estrogen laden shit. You know what? Yes, what sir. Whatever synthetic Speak things it. that they're spread that they're spraying a lot of these you know garments with to preserve them. You mm-hmm. know, none of these are native chemicals. You know, and so it's like, let's get in, let's return that shit as fast as possible, and let's get the fuck out of here. Yep. 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 I, I hear you on that. You say something, um, and this is a this one touches really uh, home with me because I'm having a lot of issues with this one, uh, positive issues. But um, you said you're a piece of shit if you if you don't. I think I know what you want to say. You're, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, ba- basically, if you know the things that you know, if you know the things that are best for for all of mankind and you're sitting by idly and not doing something about it, then you're a piece of shit. And I basically expressed that quite a bit on my on my um, Instagram. I, I, I'm so frustrated with these parents because I live in a, in a city area and uh, I'm so frustrated with these parents who are putting masks on their kids when they know. Like when we're sitting together, they're like masks are horrible. They're fucking up our kids or they know all of these bad things that are happening all around us. And yet they're still participating in them. And it's like they're my friends, but they're also pieces of shit. Mm. Do, you, do you know what I mean? But they're still my friends. I love them, <laughs> but they're fucking cunts. And I know I'm not special. Do you feel special, Brian? Like, I don't feel like I'm doing anything like crazy by like going in the store and the guys like put a mask on. I'm like, no, I'll take three apples, please. <laughs> well, like, I it's don't my know. face. Fuck you. It's I don't not, go to the store. Right, and, okay. <laughs> and and um, I don't know. If, you know, I, I feel an obligation and a responsibility. Yeah. You know, this is why I say if you know these things and these things are free and these things are accessible and you can start implementing these things, the nine ancestral tenants today, and it will radically change and transform your life for the better tomorrow. You know, and, and when you know this stuff because your kids were sick as fucking hell. And my boys were taking ambulance trips to the hospital because they stopped fucking breathing. They turned blue. They needed EpiPen shots. They would take ambulance trips to the hospital and then stay in the hospital because they didn't recover their breathing. You oh know, and goodness. how long are you going to put up with that? You know, you, uh, uh, as, a, as a good cave dad that really loves your guys, like this is your purpose in life. You got to make sure that, that you're, that you're going to be able to raise your kids, right? This is your job. 
And so we got just tired of the same answers. It was just more Benadryl, more bullshit fucking EpiPen. And it, just stay away from the, stay away from dogs. Stay away from dust. Stay away from grass. Stay away from pollutants in the air. So it's like, what do you fucking want you know, to happen? So you keep looking for solutions. And, uh, and finally, we found ancestral living. And that really resonated with us, right? We cut out the seed oils. We cut out the liquid calories. We cut out all processed foods. And we did that overnight. We cleaned house. Uh, liver queen did it she cleaned fucking house she took absolutely every <laughs> everything out i mean there was no going back and i'll admit um i was like fuck like my ice cream like i mean this is like <laughs> yeah my wife my wife's been doing that for years slowly but surely everything that i like like tide soap gone like everything that i like gone Good. gone yeah Good. yeah my wife does that because as soon as we switched over to wild cod organic nose to tail chiefly liver and bone marrow i'm telling and within two days my kids were incredible. My, my boys that were not thriving reached a, a level of thriving, a vibrancy, a robustness, a mental clarity, this sort of personality that you realize, holy shit, like you felt guilty that they were living a dulled down version of themselves for all these years. You were and basically that, poisoning them. At 100%. And that's child abuse. You know, and, and, and so the, the, the thing is, when you know this, then it becomes your obligation and your responsibility. And I say, you're a piece of shit. If you don't go model, teach and preach this to the world, you know, because how many, these are kids, you know, they deserve the chance at a badass fucking life at a decent life, but we continue to sedate them and give them poison, you know, and they're living this re- extremely dulled out version of themselves, you know? And, and, and so in kids, there's an epidemic of kids with mood disorders today. This is, this is beyond me. Metabolic disorders. There's an Crazy. epidemic, you know, and, and once again, there's a simple, elegant solution. And, and now we have, we got something to do about it. You know, so, so this is my job as the CEO of the ancestral lifestyle is to take this ancestral message mainstream. I'm going to go on every fucking podcast I can go on. If you'll take me, I'm going there. I'm going to spread this message. And once again, it's accessible to everybody. You know, and, and, and some people will say, oh, you know, uh, the eat part. Well, that's expensive. You know, first thing I'll say is we'll focus on the other eight. The other eight ancestral tenants are, are, don't cost anything. And whatever you're spending money on related to food right now, I believe it's a wash. I believe it's a wash. And when I started eating organs, it was 2 or $3 a pound. And, and then I decided, fuck, I'm eating a lot of organs. I'm going to go start Liver King Ranch. So I don't have to fucking pay. I just drop cows and I drop, I drop babies. And, and now my herd is growing instead of, instead of uh, being reduced every time I take a cow. So now not only does it not cost me anything, the, the thing is we got to figure it out. Right. And, and it's, it's, I say it's virtually free because you just got to be inventive. You got to figure out a way. How can you get these organs? A lot of butchers and a lot of processing facilities are actually paying to give their organs away. You just got to go develop a relationship you got to go figure out how you can get this stuff in your life because when you start to build a platform and, and people are listening to you, you got an obligation to be more than entertaining. If you know how to improve somebody's life and, and what is life about if we don't have our health, if we don't have a health span, this is another uh, a hilarious criticism I get all the time. It's like our early ancestors, you want to live like our early ancestors? They only lived to 30. People say that shit all the time, you know, and I start fucking cracking up and I'm like, you think what we're doing right now is living again. You, you call this living. I know I said this earlier, but you go to a job you hate. You come home to a life that you don't love. Then you take medication and you sedate yourself as much as you possibly can until you get to the next fucking day until you get to the weekend. You call that living, you know, our early ancestors didn't live that way. 
And these modern day primitive culture tribes, this is one of the, my favorite things about them. They seemingly have nothing. I know you saw this also, Savan, in your travels. They have no material possessions. There's no way to repay these people. You know, there's you can't give them money. There's no yeah, they yeah, they have no, they don't do money. That part's trippy. And cool. you could possibly repay them with a weapon. Weapons are this. This is what they need to subsist. I got my guy a wife. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely got me there. Um, but but this is the thing. These are the happiest, most fulfilled, most content people group that I've ever met. And and so th- th- this is the deal. That is what living is. It's about your health span, not about your lifespan. And so when people say this rubbish, this bullshit about our early ancestors lived to 30, the first thing I say is you call that living because that's not fucking living. Let me tell you what living is. And it's living a life that's goddamn worth living. That's full of excitement, adventure, and it grows and it gets better because you got better. You know, that's what living really is. And then the reality of it is like, this is just a fucking myth, right? If you take out infant mortality and adolescent accidents, the lifespan is the same. Yeah. The lifespan is the same but with a far superior health span. So remember, and, and by the way, even if that were true, I would rather live to fucking 30 with that kind of life than the way that we limp along in this kind of life. Yeah, so I, I, I think I went down on, on a tangent there. I forgot. No, exactly it's good. Where, where we were, but this, this is what, what living is about. And this is why, yeah, we, we got to amplify the message and spread the message. Um, tell me about, uh, where did you meet your wife? How old are you? 44. 44. Okay. Cause I heard you saying that I think on Paul's podcast, I think you'd mentioned that. Um, how, how, how long have you been married? 18 years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Congrat- congratulations. I, I view my, my marriage with my wife as kind of um, the crown, my, my crowning achievement in my life, my relationship with my wife. It's pretty, it's having a long relationship, I think is, um, is that, is that by, by the way, anyone who wants to see these ancestral tenants, there is a, beautiful beautiful pdf on the website i highly recommend you go there and download it it is awesome the whole entire website's amazing by the way congratulations to you and your team easy to navigate and beautiful tons of fun pictures endless information on it um how did you meet your wife snowboarding in park city you know that this this has always been a passion of mine is snowboarding and uh i just happened to be in park city and i brought a best friend with me to park city and uh, it was his first fucking time snowboarding we're going up the lift and I saw this girl that was strapping into her snowboard. And all I saw was a ponytail because she had her helmet and goggles on. But this is what I do. This is what an evolutionary hunter fucking does, right? Is you leave the comfort of the cave. I tell my best friend, I'm like, I see a girl. You figure out what you're doing next. I know what I'm doing next. And, uh, and it was literally on the slopes. I thought that I impressed her enough. Maybe she saw me. Maybe she, because she took off before I, I'm yelling at her. Turns out later she had her headphones in. She saw me yelling at her. She's like, who's this fucking guy? I'm leaving. <laughs> um, but I fucking, uh, I, I, I hunted her down. I, I, I trapped her uh, at the next lift line. And I just, I started talking to her, you know? And, and, and this is something that, um, like, what, where the fuck did this go wrong? Like, what, why do not, we not do that anymore, right? Like, how, I don't understand, you know, because I, I got teenage boys now. I need my teenage boys to be engaging people like this. You know, let, let them strike out a hundred fucking times. I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of times I struck out. The one time it mattered, it fucking worked. You know, yeah. I needed my, 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 my crown jewel achievement. Like you said, it worked, yeah. you know, so uh, we, we rode together for the rest of the day. You know, we hit it off and wow. what a cool thing. We, we didn't know how the other person looked. We're both wearing helmets and, and goggles. Wow. Um, what ends up happening fast forward is uh, we got engaged 
in Fiji about three or four weeks later. And we got what? married and we got married um, in Nevis about three months after that. So I'd never really been in a, in, a, in a serious relationship in my adult life. But the minute I met her, the minute I met Lever Queen, I'm like, she is so much better than me. And I've never met anybody like this. I better make this happen fast. And I better become the person that, that, that I'm projecting to be because I know she's going to see through it. And so she 100%, you know, uh, what was the catalyst to me becoming before I was a man, I was good at being a man. I, I would not have called myself a good man. She, there's no doubt in my mind that she was a catalyst to me becoming a good man. Yeah, I could say that too. I don't even know if I was a man when I met my, my wife, but she definitely turned me into a good man. She taught me some really important things. Um, that is amazing that you didn't see her. That's the first thing I thought. When you go skiing, you can't see shit. You can't tell if like someone's trying. Did you like her voice when you would talk to her? You just fucking take reps, you know? You take reps, and sometimes it works out, and most <laughs> of the time it doesn't. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, I'll tell you what, what, what I noticed um, immediately is um, she's the most earnest person I've ever met. What's that mean, earnest? A pure hearted. Okay. You know, she's, she uh, was born and raised in Poland. And okay. she had like none of the typical sort of corruption that you might expect from someone in college or, or, or that, that uh, maybe I was in the wrong circles before. But the minute I started talking to her, I could tell how much she cared. I could tell how pure her heart was. And, um, you know, this is the kind of person that you, you want to marry. You know, like if you're looking at your reciprocal opposite, like this is it, your complimentary reciprocal opposite, you know, and this is something I talk to my kids about all the time, you know, and they're like, Hey, do you know, like I'm working out and I'm not really wanting to do this or what about eating this food? And, and I said, what, what kind of life do you want to build? You know, in 10, 20 years, what kind of wife do you want to behold? Because whatever value you create in yourself is what you're going to attract in your mm. complimentary opposite. Mm. Right. Uh, and so I tell them, you want a piece of shit wife, you become a piece of shit and don't do much. You know, if you exponentially create and build your value, you will create and build the life and the wife that you get to behold because we marry our complementary opposites. And, um, and so there's no doubt in my mind that uh, I leveled up major w- when I met her. And so that was it. I was like, how fast can we get this done? And then what's really funny is after we get married, I'm like, damn, I thought I fucking had it all figured out, but I didn't. So now I got to get her pregnant as fast as possible. <laughs> so it all worked out, you know, like um, it, we, we were set on this trajectory. We loved to go and snowboard together. We loved to mountain bike together. You know, there's a whole lot of it. When you can meet somebody and you share in that passion, I think um, even though we didn't share in a lot of principled things, um, we knew how to have fun together. And having fun together always brought us back. And I think if you meet someone who's also open-minded and committed to that growth mindset, well, it's the rest is fucking history. Um, were you like this as a young man too? So ba- basically, and hopefully we'll get there, but I'll sum it up in one sentence. You basically found something that um, helped the greatest loves of your life, your two boys. And so now like a man who found God, you're sh- you're screaming from the mountaintops. Hey, this helped my boys. Anyone out, you feel a, a moral and ethical obligation to share that with the world. Like anyone, because it's your greatest love. Right. But were you already, did you already have that passion where you like that about snowboarding? Were, I mean, you got married in three weeks. Were you just like obsessed with her and writing her poems or what, and what was before snowboarding? Were you obsessed with weightlifting? Did you ever get obsessed with drugs? Like, is this, are, are you, um, I guess, um, the, I'm the, hyper obsessive. Like, like even, even, I don't know if this is the right word. Accent. Would you say even eccentric? 
I don't know if I would say eccentric, but I, I would absolutely say obsessive, you know? And uh, the thing is, I, I, as soon as I'm, I've never felt this way about anybody, you know, and, and I just knew it. I knew that this was my shot. And, and I talk about using momentum, you know, this is why we share wins mm. and, and you got to use momentum to create and shape the life that you want to live in. Cause I got the fucking momentum. I got the momentum. This is on my side and you can get deals done that you otherwise would never be able to do. Wow. And I'll, never, I'll never forget when she said to me, um, Hey, my, my, some of my best friends think we're moving a little fast. And I was like, <laughs> a little, <laughs> you know, your friends are trying to fuck this up for me. <laughs> that too. Uh-huh. And so I remember telling her, Hey, I know for certain you're the one for me. I know you're my soulmate. And, um, if you don't feel the same, that's fine. You take your time. You take your time. I'll be right fucking here. Yeah. You know? yeah good and, answer. And of course she's like, Oh no, no, let, let, let's, let's, let's stay the course. Mm-hmm. Let's stay the course. Um, but I would say that I have been, um, hyper obsessed. And, and when I find something I like, I chase it. Right. And you hear a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you know, like uh, if there's something that I want to win at or, you know, I'll go after and I'll do it. You know, but how many people really put in the work, the sacrifice, the dedication over time to become a master at that thing? Like you've got to use the momentum and you got to take massive fucking action, continue relentlessly in order to get it done. So, you know, as a kid, you asked, you know, like when I started lifting weights or if I was like that in weightlifting, um, you know, I don't know if you want me to get into the story, but my. Yes. My adolescent years were fucking horrific. I would say from about 10 to 14, these were the worst fucking years. uh, And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Why? Were you abused? I I went to a school where I was the only one of my kind. I got. What does that mean? Well, I I was the only white kid in fucking school. Okay. What city was what city was that in? San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. So um, here's the deal. I, I was so fucking little. I ended up graduating middle school. I think at 14, I was still under five foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and I got the shit kicked out of me almost every fucking day. What were they? Knew- were you did school with Mexicans or black dudes or what were you in school with? Everything except for me. Okay. Okay. Everyone except for me. Um, there was one other kid I ended up making friends with in seventh or eighth grade. This guy was, his name was Paul Chalk. And I, I, oh my God, it was the best to have someone else who could, but this guy had figured it out. This guy kind of knew how to blend in. You wouldn't really necessarily know that this guy was a white guy like me. You right. could, but, but for me, he had a little Eminem in him, but you weren't, you weren't pulling it off. You had a little Pee Wee Herman in you. I know how to do any of that shit. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, and, and then when my mom, uh, she had this boyfriend who uh, gave us some of her, 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 gave us his kids clothes, some hand-me-downs. And for the first time ever, I remember going to school I was like, everything's going to change. I'm wearing these red wing boots, these cool guest jeans. I'm going to look like them and, I, and I'm going to fit in and all of this fucking hazing and get, I, I would walk to class and not know where the punch is coming from. And I would just wake up after the bell ring. No and shit. It was that all, bad. All the fucking time. And, and I don't know what schools are like now, but you would, kids had guns in schools and the teachers would never break up the fights. Cause if you broke up the fight, you would get the fucking shit kicked out of you. If wow. the teacher breaks up the fight. This stuff just went on. I, my first day of school, this guy's named Felix Sanchez. I'm, I'm thinking this guy's like, he looked like 30 years old, this guy. <laughs> he probably <laughs> was. 10 or 11. You know, he's got a mustache and everything. And this was like slow motion. And I remember him spitting a loogie in his hand. I'm like, what the fuck? Next thing I know, we're, we're, we're sort of coming towards one another. He smacks me in the face with it. And this guy's fucking hand is way bigger than my head. It didn't knock me out, 
but that's like welcome to fucking middle school. This is before first period. Every single day, every single day. Did you cry when that happened, or does? I think it's it's shocking. It's shocking, and the cry doesn't happen until you go home. Right, you know? right. And, and so there was nobody I could turn to. You know, I didn't have a dad. I didn't have anybody that I could turn to to share this with. So Brothers I, and sisters, no siblings. I had an older brother. My older brother didn't give a fuck about that. You know, my older brother was tall. He had a mustache. He had fucking hair under his armpits. He had none of the problems. <laughs> none of the problems that I had. Uh, so uh, he was two two grades ahead of me, and uh, and so he was in eighth grade when I was in sixth grade. But then he was fucking gone after yeah. that. So I had no one to to stick up for me or to mentor me. Anyone that had been through the same thing. I just remember uh, my self worth was fucking non-existent. I was embarrassed, completely humiliated of the person of that, that, I, that I saw in the mirror. Um, so here's the deal. I'm wearing these boots and these jeans, and I'm thinking, everything's going to change. I <laughs> made it. I made it. And so we get to uh, gym class that day. And now it's time to go put my fucking boots and jeans on, and they're gone. They're oh, fucking fuck. gone. Somebody took them. And I remember running to coach, Coach Moberg, Coach Moberg. Somebody stole my shit out of my locker, and he makes everyone stop. He starts doing these random inspection. Um, long story short, of course, I go home without those fucking jeans, without my boots. It all starts all over again, you know. And 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 it's, I can't tell you how many days I walked home or went or went back into school without shoes because lost and found ran out. They run out of shoes. I ended up taking their shoes, and, and we ended up running out of shoes. Um, but so my mom had another boyfriend who Michael Glidesner, who had a bench and a weight set. And uh, I asked him if I could use it. And How old were you now? How old were you at this age? 11-ish. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely in sixth or seventh grade at this time. And, uh, and he said, go to town. You know, you can have this thing. Mm-hmm. And so I did bench and curls, bench and curls every fucking day. And I, and, I, and I started getting stronger. And I couldn't believe it that I'm getting stronger. And so then I started doing other things. I'm doing leg extensions. <laughs> this is going to help me. Um, but then I'm doing like tricep work. And then I learn about power cleans, you know, like whatever the training in football, I'm, I'm doing these things too. And by the way, that Felix Sanchez story, there's, there's dozens, if not hundreds of those stories just like that. And so now I'm figuring out like, oh, shit, I'm actually getting strong. There's something I can maybe do about this. And, and before there's a physical confrontation, my peers, other people are telling me, what are you doing? Because I'll never forget this. Some of the guys were saying, I look like Marky Mark. Uh-huh. And, and when they said, I look like Marky Mark, what greater compliment? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? I would have loved that. I'd love if fucking a dog. I thought I heard a dog bark that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then the girls finally, for the first time ever, I started to get some attention. And so I realized that I can create my own worth, my own value, my, my own esteem. You know, this set me on this trajectory where I realized I could become anything. This was my rite of passage. This is what made me into the evolutionary hunter I am today. I figured this out. And when it came time for me to impose my own fucking will, I got strong. And, and when I realized how strong I was and now nobody wanted to fuck with this guy, all I had to say is let's fucking take it outside. Not one time. Did anybody want to take it outside? There, one time, I take it back. One time, this guy Lee, he runs outside. Before I'm even done saying, let's take it outside, he runs outside, and I'm thinking, fuck, this guy's serious. Like he must know something. And I'm thinking, I got myself into it. Let me fucking handle it. I get outside, he's not there. I go to one other place, he's not there. Anyways, I go back in the building, and he's fucking hiding in the building. And 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 so one time, I thought someone would get. But but the thing is, you can build to strengthen yourself. 
right? And, and you can become anything. And when you have this strength, this is alpha virtue, number one of men across time and space is strength. And, and you need to be, strength enables all other values to even be possible, right? Strength enables um, mastery, honor, courage, generosity, integrity, anything. You got to be alive to philosophize. You got to have a breath in you, strength of a breath to be alive, to do anything. So I think when I figured out this part of my life, I'm like, man, I can do anything with this now. So this is sort of um, how how the whole working out thing, um, when when I figured that out, it's like, I just continued. So I would say from about 10 to now, I've I've been working out for 35 years, you know, and and when I see people um, that ask me maybe on the beach or something, they're like, hey, how long did it take? Like, you don't want to fucking know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I'm like, wrong question. Like, let, let's talk about some other things, you know. But like, yeah, this has been it for 35 years. Basically every wow. day. Oh, 100%. And, and then, uh, you know, when I started working out twice a day, pretty seriously, at least a decade ago. And, and then and I don't even count the third workouts. I mean, right, the, there's right. these little micro third workouts that I do. And I'll tell you, I don't know if social's been good or bad with this, but uh, – you know, like I stacked the fucking deck. So like if I'm going to do a video, you bet your fucking ass I'm going to get a pump on. I'm oh, about fuck to go yeah. Get, like right right now, I I don't look vascular <laughs> at all. Right. But um, but if I'm going to do a video, I'm going to do, let's say, upper body for five minutes on a salt bike. I'm doing fucking sprints. I'm getting my veins out, I'm getting my shoulders pumped, I'm doing a couple of max effort, you know, push-ups. And so because there's a decent amount of social that we do now, you know how many extra workouts I get a day? <laughs> Hey, you know what's cool about that? Someone might say some dumb shit like, well, he just gets vascular like that for the video. Well, of course, everyone wants to look good on video. But it's the other side that's really cool, that it's actually motivation for you to actually work harder. The same way I use the motivation to before I do the podcast with any of my guests, I feel like I owe my guests to be the biggest bright-eyed, biggest bushied, most alert I can be. And what can do that? 10 minutes of hard work on the assault bike, a 50 burpees, and fuck, I'm, I'm awake. Yeah, I'm fucking away. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. It, it it's a two way street. It's it, it's a it's a two way street. Um, were you ever when people are that mean to you? Do you ever do you were you ever mean? Are you a nice person? There was an evolution. Um, so there's no doubt I had everyone's fucking name on a piece of paper because I wanted to fucking kill them. Right. No hyperbole whatsoever. I mean, but you got to remember this. Spitting on another man's pretty bad, man. It's pretty yeah. fucking. It's about. I'd rather get fucking punched in the face. Spitting on a man's pretty fucking bad. The, 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 this is in the 80s. You know, this is in yeah. the late 80s, super early 90s. Uh, but I would say from like maybe 87 to 91 or something like that. Um, but but I knew that you could kill someone because people would get fucking killed all the time around where I was growing up. Yeah, so I just remember, man, if I can get because people would bring these little 380 guns to school. Wow. And if I get myself Fuck. on a 380 gun. Here's my fucking list. So, um, you know what? Like, it, oh, I so you hard- started getting pretty hard. I, I it, here, long story short, I got hard. I learned how I got strong and I learned how to fit in. And then my mom moved me to a totally different area of town to really fit in with the Caucasians. So by this time, I'm sticking my hair back. I got my ears pierced. You fucking name it. Oh, okay. You look like you've done prison time, and then she moves you to the white neighborhood. And now no, and now, now I'm, I'm the only one of my kind again. <laughs> I love it. Right when you made it to the top. Oh, I'm shit. telling you. This, this like, is, it's it's starting to all fall into place. All the pieces are starting to fall into place. You figure it out. You figure it out. You're we most comfortable play. being the only one of your kind now. You've been trained to be the uh, only one of your kind. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. 
Yeah. So, but, but, you know, again, you figure it out, you just figure it out, you know, and, and, and then you can go anywhere and you can do and, anything. And, yeah. And, and that is what you're doing. You've become comfortable being the only one of your kind and you've parlayed that into, okay, here's a gift for humanity. I'll be the best version of a man that I know of and I'll fucking bare naked to humanity and they can pick and choose what they fucking want. Part of the responsibility that I feel to have that too is, um, I, uh, I, I, I did my own form of bullying in high school. You did. Oh yeah. Again, I I got strong. I, I, I was strong. And when I see, when I saw how people feared me and when I got in fights and the way that I, I could, I was so dominant in those fights, this is all I knew. This is yeah. all I knew. And, and I didn't have one person to tell me this was bad. You yeah. know? So, so um, in fact, the guys at my peer group loved it. They yeah. Like Brian, go, this guy said this shit about you go do this thing to him, you know? And, and, and so my peer group, you know, egged it on too. And, uh, and one day I, I grew a conscience, you know, I was like, this is fucked up. This is all wrong. And, and I you hurt someone and then you felt bad. Is that what happened? Um, no, it, it, there was not one incident. There was not one incident. It was just the, it, I mean, in college where everybody, I was in a fraternity and everybody loved to fight, you know, in the fraternity. Right, right. Um, so, so finally, I just remember, um, it's not like I woke up one day. I just remember this isn't good. Like, I'm not helping anybody. I'm not doing anything productive with this. Um, and then over time, I remember thinking, I, I got to make good on all this stuff now. Like, yeah. I've, I've done some bad shit in the world. You know, I would never hearken that back to, oh, you know, they deserved it. I got bullied. Other people should be bullied. Right. You know? um, but it was like, I got to figure out a way <laughs> to go do something really good because I've also done my, my share of that. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so um, it, it was tough. Um, I fucking hated some of these guys so bad. You know, yeah. the guy that, that, that did that. I mean, uh, this other guy, Robert Bridgeford, I hope he's listening. You know, I'm, I'm going to football practice or gym one day. He just punches me in the face for no fun. I mean, again, it happens nonstop all the fucking time. Damn. And, uh, and th- this is what one reason why I feel like um, I, I've become hyper aware of things. You know, like you, you hear the vibration of a car, you know, because you, you don't know if, you're, if they're going to get out and jump the fucking shit out of you. You become hyper aware of, of your situation, where you are. And, and how to grow and get better at everything all the time. You study how people communicate, right? And, and pick up the, those habits from them. And so, yeah, I, 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 it's the best thing that I ever went through. I would never wish it on anybody, you know, but how do we recreate a, a legitimate rite of passage yep, for our yep. own boys? Yep. You know, for years of real struggle to overcome, to persevere, to win. You know, at the end of the day, I always say our, our, our job as a parent is to affirm our kids with such depth that they come to believe in themselves. Ah. And when they come to believe in themselves, they take real leadership, agency, ownership, responsibility over the life that they are going to create. But this is what's happening today is parents are affirming their kids with hollow worth and modern day trophies and what they're producing are hollow adults. And, And so, yes, I'm hard on my kids. And yes, I make my kids earn it. But what I would say is I'm affirming my kids with the depth of challenge and my goal is not for them to enjoy everything that they do. You know, my goal is to make sure that they come to believe in themselves, right? And they, they understand that they can create and shape the life that they want to live in. And that's real leadership. And, and so nobody deserves to go through four or five years of that. But, but kids today need to go through something tough. And this is part of the reason why I'm trying to promote Barbarian the way that I'm promoting it is because you know how many adults never have had a rite of passage, period. And they know something's missing. Oh, they know. Adults know that there's something sacred 
that is missing. Wow. They will come through a rite of passage. Wow. They want to go through this rite of passage. I can't tell you how many people come here and, and visit and they're like, hey, can I do that thing? Can I do barbarian? <laughs> you know, they, they want it. I mean, this is a multiple hour workout. A lot of people don't ever finish it, you know, but, but this is part. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Do you have a bunch of time left, by the way? Let, let, let's keep talking. Let's, <laughs> okay. I just, I just need to go pee in my yard, right? Do, can I give me 30, 30 seconds? I just need to pee. You're, if you're going to piss, I'm going to piss. Okay. Let's pee break. Pee break. Quick pee break. Quick pee break. Quick pee break. <laughs> That's the sound of a 360 degree barbell brush by hybrid athletics. I can't wait to get in some of that talk about the uh, barbarian though. Cause I thought I used to do a mile. I do a mile sled drag every uh, so often. And I thought that that was difficult. And once I started to see the way that, uh, that you do it there. I was really inspired to challenge myself to what have uh, you done to, to up it? Nothing, nothing. Now I'm feeling weak about it. So I definitely <laughs> need to uh, get back after it, stack another plate and carry some kettlebells with my next one. That's for sure. I'll tell you, um, sure. you know, after doing barbarian for so many years, I, I started another company called uh, tip of the spear, which is sort of a parent company to a lot of these other companies that, that I'm running. And, um, and I said, okay, tip of the spear is going to need something that's much more difficult than barbarian. So that's when I started super barbarian. And so when I, when I started training super barbarian, you know, and super barbarian is it's, it's half of your body weight in each hand is the kettlebell, right? So I'm 200. So I have hundred pound kettlebells in each hand. It's a hundred pounds in the backpack. So 50% of your body weights in the backpack, 100% of your body weight goes on top of the sled. Right, so I have 200 pounds on top of the sled, which it's all the way full with, with the plates that we use. And then you have your 20 pound ankle weights. And I remember um, I didn't really work up to it. I basically went from barbarian to super barbarian and uh, the sled wouldn't fucking move. <laughs> I couldn't get it to move. And I said, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Because I, I already told people I came up with the next evolution, right? The growth. <laughs> if you're going to be in tip of the spear, <laughs> if you're going to make this it. It's a great the- story. You have to do super barbarian. And it scared the shit out of me as I started training for it because I didn't know how I was going to do this for a mile. And this is what a rite of passage should do for you, right? It should yeah. stretch you so drastically that it should scare the shit out of you. And yeah. you yeah. really seriously doubt, like, can I do this? And, um, and so I continued to train and I continued to train. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, this might take me six, eight, ten hours to do. I can do this. I know I can do this. Like I, I built the confidence where I could do it. Um, and so this, this is such a special thing, you know, to, to be able to share this with people. Barba- when I see people do barbarian, we just had two guys do barbarian. We had a barbarian party just recently uh, and it was um, uh, Andrew and Colin. And to see these guys do barbarian is one of the most special things I've ever seen. You know, are they employees of yours? They are. They are. And by the way, we don't make, People do barbarian. <laughs> you should. You can choose to do it. And so far, we've never had anybody not choose to do it. Um, but here's the thing, uh, Colin. Your 15-year-old son did it. My 15 This was his rite of passage. I was yeah. talking to someone the other day, and they're like, you know you can't do that. I'm like, why not? They're like, you're a fucking little. You're a little man. You need mass to move mass. And then yesterday, I heard your 15-year-old son did it. I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> this is right yeah my 15 year old son did it because th- this how many hours to becoming a man uh, for my son yeah i believe it was two uh, two or two and a half is it emotional at that length like 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 at 30 minutes is he angry at 45 he's happy at an hour and a half you're crying and at two hours you're like shit i, I need to get a new girlfriend you're like you're pumped like is it, it, it is it an emotional process 
here's the thing for for him or for me or for other people for for him for the doer for the i mean i'm sure for you it was emotional as all get out but i mean for to, to watch your son do that but for him does he go through ups and downs and yeah so for everyone it's so drastically different okay um, this is the reason why so it's not just about the physical strength when you go out and do barbarian this is what you know requires every aspect of you the mental strength the emotional strength the spiritual strength and and there's i think it's such an elegantly designed workout that there's not one thing that's going to fail before the other it's not like your grip fails and 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 then like you still have capacity left in you it's like your grip and capacity and your shoulders and it's like almost everything kind of goes about the same time. So to, to answer your question, um, it was it was his time to do the barbarian. And I fucking I saw him start and I left. Oh. I left because I had another obligation. And I see Liver Queen go out uh, and I say, hey, he started. And uh, and she goes to check on him. And I said, do not fucking check on him. Could you imagine if the great they, nurturer mama comes out and checks on you when you're doing that's not oh good. My God. <laughs> like I knew that would be so bad. I said, do not look at him. Do not check on him. You can be here for his homecoming. Right. But the thing about barbarian is a lot like other primitive culture tribes. Um, this is something you do on your own. This you go out in the world, you go do this thing on your own. You may or may not come back. And, and so when I got to talk to him about the experience, um, he knew how hard that he, he had been training for this for months. You know, and when you train, this is another great example of life, right? Like when you really, really train really hard for something that you don't think you can do, when it comes time for the real thing, you fucking crush it. Right. You crush it. So even when we were on vacation, anywhere we went, he was training for Barbarian because he knew it was coming. And everyone Damn. thought he could do that. His peers thought he couldn't do it. His own CrossFit coach said, don't do it. Change the weights. Get him to do something else. Liver Queen said, I, we can't have him do this. And I'm like, he's 15. It's time for him to, to complete his rite of passage. <laughs> he's going to learn that he can do something that not only did no one else think he could do, he didn't think he could do it. And not only did he do it, but he did it with a mental and emotional and spiritual strength and the physical, the preparation guided him through it. And again, he realized the leadership, the ownership, the agency that he had in this. He created the life, the outcome that he had set forth. This is part of crossing that chasm to become a man. So he did it. And, and this is something that I, I want to create the opportunity for millions of people to go out and to complete this rite of passage. Because, again, you don't just put on the weights and go and do this. Right. Mm -hmm. You start to train for it. And, and the training aspect is, oh, you, you, it doesn't just happen. That barbarian's got to come out. And then eventually one day, like the barbarian continues to come out. And you're like, oh, I've, I've, I'm getting to know who this guy is. I'm getting to know this barbarian. And you let him out enough. And that barbarian mm -hmm. figures out a way of that cage permanently, permanently. And then you create and shape the life that you want to live forever. So, yeah, he, my, I'm, I'm so proud of him to do that. And uh, my 13-year-old uh, my Rad, is, uh, he can't wait to do it. <laughs> do you know another um so you say that again liver king do you know another you like do you know anyone and you're like oh that's that that guy's doing what i'm doing like two lawyers like who went to law school and now they're in a law firm and they can't wait to meet a girl and they can't wait to have kids and they can't wait to buy a house in the hamptons and you know there's there's ten thousand of those guys do you know another um a barbarian do you know another king do you know any other kings I haven't thought about that. If, if, if I think about it, maybe I, I, I the, the thing is a king is you're, somebody you're doing so, something. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. You're doing something so unique. You're not just another buff guy on Instagram. That's the thing. And everyone knows that mm -hmm. you're not just, <clears throat> you're, um, mm -hmm. you're not just, uh, um, 
you're not not just another you're, you're you're doing something that's really really that everyone's connecting to because they know it's accessible to them and you're showing us how you're doing it and there is a emotional spiritual physical intellectual freedom to it all you're kind of you're you're like you're kind of what the hippie should have been you know what I mean? Like you're, you're just a big old, like, um, you, you know, you picture, you're like, you're, you should, you're just a dude who's like, looks like he should be sitting on a throne with a drumstick from a pterodactyl. You know what I mean? Like, I love you just said pterodactyl. Um, when I went I'm, just thinking, the- I'm thinking the only bird you would eat, you wouldn't eat a chicken. You would have to have like a real fucking, like a, like some, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And, and you know, it's, we- it's so, it's so, fu- you're so fun. It's so, it's so refreshing that this, this, um, this freedom. And 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 then and then the story that it comes from and and I got and I got I got to get to some of the details of this. Um, it's when when um sorry I'm gonna hijack this a little bit when so you had so you get your wife pregnant with your fr- you have two sons is that correct? I actually have I have a, a three boys. Three boys. Uh, okay. Yeah, my my wife and I have two, and then I have an older son. Okay, and how old's your oldest son? I believe he just turned eighteen. Oh shit! Congratulations. Yeah. And your youngest son is how old? Thirteen. 13 and the middle guy is 15 15 okay oh man did the 13 year old see the 15 year old do the barbarian yeah <laughs> oh shit we, we sent him out on his ranger just to make sure he wasn't fucking dead and like just go <laughs> make sure because if he's passed out because people start barbarian and pass out people start barbarian and they they legitimately pass out so we're like rad you go check on striker you just drive the ranger out there. Don't go talk to him. Don't look at him in his eyes. I just, yeah. we just need to know if he's up and if he's moving. Wow. Wow. Um, so, so you have, you, you have, you start having the boys. When do you notice with, in, um, in which boy um, of these three, the middle youngest, that you notice, okay, something's wrong. This, but this is not a, something, this, this child's not being, is not healthy. When they were sick? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, it was nonstop. It was like, uh, they would projectile vomit, you know, and, and we would feed them something that was supposed to be okay, you know, like, like baby, like even when they were babies. Oh yeah, oh hundred percent, yeah, even when they were babies. All um, three boys. Um, uh, I I don't know a whole lot. I, I can't really say that about Zach. You know, I wasn't really engaged in his life. Uh, in okay, years, so don't know that. But um, you know, I remember we got a dog, a boxer, and they broke out in hives. You know, we're like, oh, well, let's wash the dog, you know, and, and then they continue to break out in hives. And there's obviously like this immune reaction happening. Mean, they're allergic to life. They're allergic to I mean, they would be break out in hives and have issues breathing. I'm telling you about the extreme examples about going to the hospital, epi stuff like But they had issues breathing. You can tell respiratory distress, the wheezing, that's nonstop. And so there were, there were continual issues. And so, I mean, I wouldn't really say like there was one massive issue that said, hey, we got to. I mean, there were several. I mean, were you scared? Were you living in fear for your boys? Like, that sounds like the worst thing. Like, a parent wants to see their kids thrive. And, like, um, w- were you living in fear? Like, oh, fuck. Are these fuckers, are these my, my two greatest? It's, 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 it's like, um, that, that's your Sistine Chapel, your boys. Yeah. Your, yeah. Greatest, your greatest creation. Yeah, and anywhere we went, think about this. Like, anywhere you go, ski lessons. Now you're talking to the instructor. You're giving the instructor an EpiPen. You're making sure that he has an EpiPen on him also and the Benadryl, you know, and then you're checking on him all throughout the day too. You know, it's like anywhere and everywhere you go, you think about where's the closest hospital. 
You know, oh, what's the emergency system look like? Does everybody know? Is everybody prepared? What if there's a shift change? You know, because there will be a shift change and you won't even know to ask that question until there's a shift change. And now you realize this other person who's taking care of your fucking little kid don't even know what the fuck is going on. And so you kind of get used to it, you know, and, and of course, it's like with anything in life, you got to take extreme ownership over it and you got to figure out these are the questions that I didn't know to ask that now I know to ask. So who it, got you on the right path? When were you like, uh, like for a while, I'm guessing you were like, okay, this thank God for doctors. Thank God for EpiPens. And then at some point where you just like, did you see something? I mean, you were telling me that your wife started figuring some shit out. Okay. We're getting rid of the tide. soap, we're getting rid of the cleaners. We're getting rid of this, um, these pollutants around the house. But what was the, like, did you re how old were the boys? And when did you reach that? Like, Oh shit, I really have to, this can't go on like this. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We never stopped trying to figure out a solution. You know, we okay. started allergy shots. We, you know, it's, it's like, you know, when you're wired this way, this is the growth mindset, right? This is the betterment mindset. It's like, how do you figure this out? How do you, how do you shape and get better? How do you continue to just switch doctors? You just switch doctors. And, and it's like, you're looking for a different answer, but the answer is exactly the fucking same. Everyone you go to. And, and I would say, you know, after asking, doctors over and over and it's like oh god we got to just read we got to start reading and researching and then you know, like i said we came across uh, i think it was actually Sal one of sally fallon's books you know then we learned about weston a price and we're like wow this whole ancestral thing like well this doesn't seem like there's no fad diet you know this has been our diet since the inception of time you know like this makes a lot of sense maybe we should try just cutting out all this futuristic shit and just go back to the original human diet and I'm, t I'm t within what did we have to lose? Mm -hmm. There was nothing to lose. You know, the, at, at first, um, there are, our boys didn't want to eat in any of it. Like, who wants to eat liver and bone broth? You know, when yeah. you're eating this hyper other palatable shit. And so at first they didn't eat. But then after a couple of days, like, they were starving. How old and, were they when this happened? Five and three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it amazes me when parents are like my kid, like I'll use pizza's example. I order pizza with bell peppers and tomatoes, let's say, and a parent will be like, my kids won't eat it. And I'll be like, what do you mean they won't eat it? Well, they won't eat it. So I had to order them a special pizza. It, well, and, and I know pizza is not the, um, the ideal food. I don't really feed my kid pizza either. But and I'm just thinking to myself, what do you mean your kid won't fucking eat it? Then he doesn't fucking eat. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So you took that you took that attitude. All right, then you won't eat. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so, and, and it's, it's hard. It broke your heart a little bit, right? It, it was one of the hardest things <clears throat> I've been through. You know, when you see how emaciated they are, when you see that they have no energy, when, when it looks like they have the flu, when they're just begging for anything that they used to eat, you know, imagine when you're they want a bowl of they want a bowl of grape nuts or a bowl of raisin bran, right? Anything, anything. Yep, yep. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, when eventually they realize, you know, that you're going to get the same thing for lunch that we put in front of you for breakfast, same thing for dinner. It's the same thing the next day. Um, again, once you're hungry, you'll eat anything. This is the trick. You know, once you are hungry, man, you will eat it and you'll love it. And then they wanted more and they wanted more. And I'm telling you, man, it just it was such a radically fast transformation. And all of those doubts, all of the, the efforts that went into it, you know, the return on investment, we got to see exponential return immediately. And so now you lean in and now you say, how far can I take this? Right. And then you learn about everything ancestral based on first principles. So at first it's out of medical necessity. And then it's like, we see how much they're kicking ass now. And so then it's based, based out of like, how, how far can we take this? How far can we optimize? And once we apply this to ourselves, we're like, holy shit, like, I'm getting stronger in the gym than I've ever been. And I'm 30 years old, you know, 35 years old. And I'm like, 
you're not supposed to like peak and get stronger at 30. My physique has changed. And I've been working out. You got to remember, I'd already been working out for 25 years. So now I'm getting stronger and, 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 and better build than I ever have. And we're like, how far can we go with this? And so we really leaned in and like, okay, now how do we model, teach and preach this in an organized way, which then really the nine ancestral tenants were born out of. And then I thought, well, who the fuck am I? to go and teach and preach the ways of our ancestors without going to visit with the primitive culture tribes all around the world. So I, I felt like to give the nine ancestral tenants any credibility, I really got to go and observe this. I got to go see firsthand, which is why we, we hung out with the Macha Gang in the Amazon, the Datog. Then we went to Africa and we've been with five or six tribes. We're headed to the Arctic uh, late, later this month or next month. Uh, wow, so the, the journey will continue. How are you getting, are you flying or boating? We're flying. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, in the Amazon, I'll tell you what, it was like, uh, obviously, there's, it's a long flight to get there, but uh, it was like an eight-hour drive. Then we spent another eight hours on a riverboat. And this is the thing. When you go visit a primitive culture, they're not close to a big city. You better fucking get ready to buckle down and go on an adventure because, you know, an eight-hour riverboat drive, I mean, this is all, all the electricity has gone. You're going down the Amazon. No one's going to be able to help you. You know, and so once again, like as a leader, you got to be thinking about all the contingencies because your guide, fuck that, your guide doesn't know shit. You know, I'm telling my guide, I want a backup boat. I want a backup car. You know, what if the car breaks down? What if the boat breaks down? The cost for me to have an extra boat or an extra car is nothing. If you, if you look at the whole cost of the trip, the cost of the trip is, is pretty expensive to have this backup stuff, to have me have a doctor on hand that knows the infrastructure there. You know, this is me planning for these things. And I'm like, oh, so now I know what I'm going to do better on the next trip. But this, this is our job, right? As a leader, dominate your environment. This is, how, this is how you get prepared. And you're not going to be able to make excuses later. Oh, the car broke down. You know, that sucks. We had to spend an extra two days here. The river, if the riverboat breaks down, you're really fucked. <laughs> yeah, this, Dude, this- I, was, I was on the Mombasa-Nairobi highway in a two-car caravan. And, and, and one of the cars broke down. And everyone fucking jumped out into one car. And I was helping those people, me and the the bodyguard, and uh, th- and th- the car drove off, and I was left there with two fifteen thousand dollar Canon One DX lenses, all the flashes, everything hanging on my neck, and I and I and I it, it took me probably six hours to get back to my hotel with the guy, and and of course you you know the scene, we're the only two people who even remotely, we're the only two people I saw for hours that have shoes, let alone, I mean anyone could have just taken our shit. Fortunately, everyone was nice as fuck to us. Yeah. But man, dude, it was, yeah, that's smart what you're saying about the backup shit. And, and, and the people that were there we were with, like grown-ass men turned into whiny bitches like right away. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. The car's breaking out. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, mm-hmm. like now's not the time to panic. Yeah. So this I'm not, is do you thrive in stressful situations? I don't panic in stressful situations. I, like my kid falls off the roof and, like, I get calm. I might be panicking when he's up there, but when he falls, I'm like, all right, I'm cool. Yeah, well, I, I do think that there's a reason for this. I mean, you, if you look in your history, there's probably a reason for that too, but I've, I've been through it so many times, you know? And so now it's really like, you, you got to be calm in order to observe, to educate yourself on what the next moves are. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, when we were hiking in Banff, there was a, a grizzly bear. We didn't have any spray and my wife is freaking out. One of my sons starts running and I'm like, you better fucking stop. You better chill out. I put myself between the two of them. So that we could assess the situation, right? Like you got to yeah. be able to be calm to assess the situation. Yeah, um, I, I think I think it just wait, 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 wait. What happened? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I told everybody just to fucking walk slowly. This just and I didn't turn my back to it. 
You know, yeah. my, my uncle's like a, an expert in all this shit. He wasn't there, but um, you know, the experts tell you to like, if it gets close enough to you to get down in the fetal position and cover your fucking neck. And have you, are you familiar with this? Uh, b- b- play yeah. dead. Yeah. And play then dead thing, fucking, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you think I'm going to fucking die like that? You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, you can die like that. I'll let you die like that. Anyone that wants to die like that. Fine. Go ahead. And I'm sure other, I'm going to get a lot of comments about this, but like, I'm going to fucking do everything I can, you know, to, to, to fight for my fucking life and um, your family's we, life. Right. Yes. Um, at this point I'm thinking, you know, like I'm, I'm sort of just trying to create distance between my, let my family go. And I'm just kind of standing there facing it. Uh, I would say it's about 50 yards away. And, and we just backed up and it didn't bother us. And as soon as we got Did it outside, see you, did it look at you and you looked at it and you're like, yo, what, what's up? Yeah. 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 But, um, but yeah, you know, like you, you got to remain calm under pressure. Yeah. Um, you, you switch your child's diet when they're around three or five, you start moving to Oregon meat. How long, um, how successful you saying it was successful right away. You just saw your kids basically just light up and has it been just smooth sailing since then now uh, for 10 years? No, it hasn't been smooth sailing. Uh, I mean, you know, it's life, right? And and uh, but I mean, but I mean, with their health, we had one incident with Rad that was tough. That uh, was maybe the hardest thing we've ever been through. Have you heard of pandas? No. So it's like uh, I might get it wrong, but it's like pediatric autoimmune neurological disorder, and it came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere, and uh, it's like nonstop, like obsessing over irrational behaviors and we'll never forget like one day out of nowhere he came up and said hey if a bad person spits if you look at it does it make you bad and of course the answer is no what if what if you're just in the area well of course the answer is no uh, what if it touches you of course the answer is no but now the questions the same questions repeat and he doesn't even know that he asked that question and he's obsessing over it and there's no break it's non-stop and there's violent screen i mean we can't believe this is happening what the fuck happened we have no idea i mean this is like occupying all of his awake hours and uh and this is really why uh fuck dude i never thought i would get emotional (laughs) on a podcast um paul is so much more than a friend to us you know uh, paul saladino we needed him uh he was there for us when we needed him most and uh and we're thinking you know what like we're eating this ancestral way what else can we be doing and Paul dissected everything. And he's like, and we eat some chocolate and it's a hundred percent cacao fucking chocolate, hundred percent cacao chocolate with some wild uh, uh, honey. And, um, and Paul's like, this is, this is it. You got to take this out. And, um, and, and I'm telling you, like, you, you've lost your kid, man. Like your kid, there's no resemblance of your kid. Wow. And uh, I remember he had sort of a moment of clarity. Rad did where he said, uh, I wish I had a baseball bat and I would just, I would rather give myself brain damage and have the brain that I'm dealing with right now. Oh, fuck. God, that must have broke your heart. Oh, and he's 11, probably 11 at this time. Um, maybe even 10, I don't know. But anyways, uh, Paul's like, well, everything you're doing is pretty solid, but here's what you got to do, like the honey and the chocolate. Within two days, he got better. Within two fucking days, he got better. And, um, and so, again, this is like, this is, I think, so important for people to hear this. Um, I, at first, he clear- this was like the only thing he would eat, by the way was at, at this time, um, we would put other foods in front of him, but he's like, the only thing he would look forward to was that chocolate and honey. And so now we remove the chocolate and honey and oh my God, mm. you know, it was an even fucking worse living hell. And, um, but here's the thing. If, if uh, I, I, people need to know that, that this stuff happens, 
You know, at first we're like, are we going to share this with people? People need to know, you know, I, I believe a hardcore keto carnivore diet can fix so many things. You know, you can get your child's life back. And, and so, no, it, has, it sure as fuck hasn't been smooth sailing. You know, this was much worse than anything we'd ever been through with them. Like, this was much worse than uh, um, going to the hospital, you know, not being able to breathe. Because this is like, you got to start to think, like, how are you going to get this? But we always knew we would figure it out. But You did had, know. You had, you had faith you would figure it out. We knew we would figure it out. Didn't, we had no fucking idea how because we thought we were doing everything right. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but very quickly, at first, he, again, he didn't eat. You know, when, when we took that away and not eating like, you know, when you get into fasting, you know, this and this is why you fast the way that you fast. It's probably the, the, the most profound, effective metabolic intervention for almost everything out there. Right. And and like from an epigenetic standpoint, it allows you to start to fix and heal some, some of that shit. Um, so I think that that was a powerful lever. And then we we proceeded. You know, there were still no carbs in his diet whatsoever. You know, wow. A, a month or two or three even but but within like about two or three days he's be- he's better like two or three days it's like yeah it's nuts 90 percent better yeah 90 percent better um and so yeah definitely not smooth sailing um i hope it's smoother sailing from here on out but again like what, what you already know this like once you figure out like you've been faced with some impossible situations in life mm-hmm. but you always figure out those impossible situations you know, and, and now you're out in front of it. Like, then you start to build the confidence. Give me any impossible situation. I'll take anything. I'll be able to figure this out. Wow. Do, do, do your boys go to school? No, no. My boys are homeschooled. Uh, Liver Queen is their teacher. Yeah, my, my boys don't go to school either. They do that. And, and what, where do they play with? Do they play with other kids? When do they see other kids? Yeah, she has... Uh, <laughs> This is gonna. I don't know. How this is gonna come off. Um, she. Uh, so they made friends a couple of years ago where we used to live, and these are like their old like school kind of friends and neighborhood friends. Um, she'll normally send like a limo to go pick up their, their friends. Yeah, yeah. Want fuck to get it. A limo, you know. So it, number one, you have a professional driver. It, it's our same driver, um, and uh, it's not our limo, by the way. We don't. I would never fucking own a limo. Um, and and they love to get in the limo. And so she's great about this. She's great about like making sure that that infrastructure is there for them so that they can keep pushing each other. They can do these wild fucking crazy things. You know, they're stirring up so many issues on the streets. You know, they're pushing the boundaries for one another. And I always just tell them because they're driving these cars, you know, these uh, like high lifters, these SUVs pretty fucking fast around here. And sometimes I'll see one of them, you know, dangling around the top and I'll say like, the one thing you can't fucking do is you can't take a head injury. So you need to get in a fucking seat. You know, y'all can do everything else, but no head injuries. Gotcha. So, so they, they like, like-minded families and friends and the kids get together. Definitely not like-minded families and friends, but like-minded kids. Wow. No shit. There's no like-minded. You, you don't have like a, um, like it, it, I, I'm a bit of an oddball in my community. And, but, but we found kind of our like-minded people, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. people who feed their kids the same thing, people who expect their kids to say please and thank you, you know, shit like that. Um, you, you don't have that in your area? Like some like-minded, like, like, a, like, you know, like all the homeschooling moms and the, you know, the moms that, you know, use cloth diapers or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm just like choosing shit to, I don't know. That's probably a better question for liver queen. I, I, I don't really meddle a whole lot in that. All I know is this, like it's, um, from a real hardcore principle standpoint, and if you're looking at the nine ancestral tenants, which like shapes and guides our life, um, it's, it's hard to really meet people, you know, that, that believe in those mm-hmm. sorts of things and act and execute on those sorts of things. 
you know, and, and when their friends come over and like yesterday they did the cold plunge and the oh. friends did the cold plunge with them, you know, that's the cold awesome. Plunge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so, and of course, like when their friends are here, their friends aren't going to eat nose. We, we still have our guys eat nose to tail. Their friends aren't going to eat nose to tail. Right. But like today that they're doing, uh, um, I think your guys also do boxing, right? Yeah. A lot of fighting, a lot of, a lot of jujitsu, a lot of boxing, like four five, six, seven days a week sometimes. Yeah, so today was uh, was striking classes, and so I, I looked out and saw on the lawn under the sun, everybody's doing striking, which is cool that that they bring them into that. So yeah, um, yeah I, that might be a better question for Lever Queen, um, but uh, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. It's like it, it's it's fine at, at this point. I'm not looking to like build friendships or relationships. Like you know what I need to do is I need to spread this fucking message. You know, so again, it's like let's show them, not tell them at first, and then a lot of people will start asking questions. Right. And if you ask questions, well, now you're really interested because I'm done trying to shove this information, information down people's throats. Like the, the fact is, like, especially people around you. You, you know, sound so much like Greg Glassman. You sound so much like the fellow oh, yeah? CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, it's, it's amazing. It's almost like you guys are, are cut from the same cloth. And, and, and that's probably why your business is flourishing, too. When I first started working at CrossFit, there were 300 gyms and there were only eight, eight, eight employees and there were 300 affiliates. And, and when I left, there were hundreds of employees and 15,000 affiliates. And one of the craziest things about working there was is that it was basically it was a cult in, in the sense that everyone who worked there, their life had been completely fucking changed from CrossFit, yeah, yeah. right? And so that's what you, and you cannot recreate that. You can't pay someone $500,000 a year. And so we had all these, um, what Patrick Bed David calls intrapreneurs, people inside an entrepreneurial program who were basically treated them, the, the boss let them be entrepreneurs inside of an entrepreneurship. And, and, and you, those are the hardest working employees, right? Uh, and, uh, it's crazy. I'm guessing that's what you have. Like everyone there has drank the Kool-Aid. Like everyone there's trying to eat more organs. Everyone there's trying to work out. Everyone's trying to fucking get further away from the EMF. Everyone's trying to connect more with the ground. Everyone's trying to have healthier relationships. Is that the way it is? And 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 as your business, you were a poor boy, and now you're a wealthy man in every aspect. Yeah, I make no apologies for the value no. that we've created in the world. You know, you should and, not. Um, especially if you look at where we've come from. Yeah, this is uh, an incredible story to share, and I hope that it's inspiring, you know, for others to do the same. We, we've so I've been a serial entrepreneur since my early twenties, and I've had plenty of failed businesses. And one of the things I figured out, similar to the, uh, how did you say it, an intrapreneur? Intrapreneur. Am I pronouncing that right, Matt? Yeah, intrapreneur. Intrapreneur. Okay. So th this is what I figured out: is um, you know, being an entrepreneur can be like one of the greatest growth levers for any individual in their life, right? Um, I mean, I think it would be great if you have a, a little bit further along the maturity continuum because you're about to lead people, right? And how do you scale mm -hmm. and lead when you're still further down <laughs> that maturity mm -hmm. continuum? Right? Right. If you're still um, insecure, if you're still dependent or even independent, I think you're going to have some major challenges, which I clearly had early on. But I think one of the most important things to do is the next step is to, to get hyper clear on what your why is. What's your why in the world, right? If you know exactly what your why is, and now you can find out other people that you're hiring, what is their why, and do your whys align. And, and if you have alignment with your whys, the mark that you want to make in the universe, these guys will go shoulder to shoulder and do anything, go to the edge of the earth for you. So now you got true believers. Right. A true believer will go to the edge of the earth. And so the true believers uh, for the companies that are higher people that have been through other horrific things that have had Crohn's, 
you know, that, that have had other autoimmune conditions, that have infertility reversed. You know, they've had um, uh, anxiety and depression and things that have trapped them in their own homes. They've been able to connect with the outside world. Th these are true believers that have been through these sorts of life experiences. And now you share the same why, because the why in the world, again, it's because people are suffering and struggling with X, Y, and Z. Their lives suck. There's a simple, elegant solution to make a life that's goddamn worth living. They've been through this themselves. So now you have the deepest, most profound true believers. You have their discretionary time when they're driving, when they're taking a shower, when they're taking a yes. shower. They're thinking. I had one guy ask me, I swear to God, he said, all I think about is work. Can you pay me for these, this other time? And I said, I fucking got you. This is how I hire. You know what I believe. If you believe what I believe, if we share, if we merge these wise, we're going to create all this good stuff in the world. This is what we're, this is how we make our mark in the universe. This is our purpose. This is our passion. We share this. This is why we exist. So I think that this is one of the most important things to do in a business, right? Is figure out where you are on the maturity continuum. Make sure that you continue to focus on yourself. You've got to figure out a way to let that barbarian out, that evolutionary hunter out. But then the next step is get really hyper clear on your why. Make sure that you understand anyone you're going to hire. Make sure you understand their why. If you got a true believer, you can move forward with the next step. The next step is massive fucking action, relentless, massive action. Don't pivot to some new idea every three months. I'm sure you guys know the guys that do this, right? They pivot to a new idea every three or six months. And, and then the last step, as I would say, is um, you're going to fucking work hard. So make sure the way that you're working hard is for nine-digit figures annually because what it takes to make seven, six, let's say six-digit figure annually, it, it's the same kind of effort it takes to make nine digit figures, right? So playing a market that is that expansive, if you're going to work that fucking hard, because mm. it's no more effort, it's no additional effort to work that hard. If you have true believers and you have this altruistic vision and you share this, you, these guys will go to the edge of the earth for you, right? And, and once you have that and you've, you're clear as day on what the vision and, and mission is, you guys can go anywhere. You can do anything. Have you ever thought about writing a business book? All I care about right now are the people whose lives fucking suck. That was a, that was a trick to see if you pivot. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but I caught, but I caught I'm myself. I'm like, oh I'm shit, I'm not being ancestral lifestyle, and this is what I'm going to continue to do. I know. So what I tell my guys is, um, you know, I I never try and compare myself to anyone or what we're doing to anybody, right? Because once again, that that's the finite game, and that that um, pulls you away from the infinite possibilities in life. But I will say this: McDonald's has done a good job. Coke has yeah. done a good job. If yeah. McDonald's and Coke can become mainstream while doing harm to the human condition, ancestral living can become mainstream while doing good to the mm -hmm. human condition. This is my vision, is to make sure that we take ancestral living mainstream. And ancestral living, almost all of it doesn't cost anything, right? Virtually all of it is free. And you're already eating. So now you just got to transfer your dollars to the bullshit processed foods and the liquid calories to the stuff that's wild caught nose to tail. And you're probably going to save money. If you switch over to the ancestral tenants, you're probably going to actually save money. And you're going to realize you can become anything, even a king, right? So, so this is what I will continue to focus on. And, and, and I know that we're getting there. I know we're getting there because now when I go places, I'm telling you, this is the weirdest thing. A few months ago, um, you, you already know that I was never on social media, right? Like we just got on social yep, media yep, like yep. seven months ago. Brand and, um, and so I, I could go anywhere. Nobody fucking knew who this guy was. And, and then finally we went somewhere and, uh, and multiple people were like, oh, you're the liver king. And I was like, I didn't even know what to do. 
You know, one guy said, um, can I come talk to you? I'm like, get the fuck over here. You know, who are you? We get to talking. And, uh, and, he, and I said, why were you so timid? And he goes, well, I don't know what it's like to be a celebrity. And I'm thinking, fuck, I don't need you. <laughs> Neither do I. You know, I'm a barbarian. And, uh, what are you talking about? Did you pound your chest? How are we calling a celebrity? I couldn't believe it. And then going to New York City is really evidence that we're creating value in the world. Because people know who this guy is now. And if you know who this guy is, you know that liver is king. And now we are going mainstream. You know, we're, we got a lot of work to do, but I think we're well on our way. We have momentum and we are going to lean the fuck into that and amplify it anywhere and everywhere we can. Um, you, you mentioned the, the no processed foods. I bought a bag of the whole beast. Absolutely love it. I also um, I, I'm not a big uh, processed food guy, but I will um, put that into some raw milk and chug that as a for a meal for myself. And after my kids do a workout or if they're doing two or three workouts, which they often do in a row, I'll take a adult size scoop and split it over three cups and put whole milk in it. And when I put it on my Instagram, people will be like, "Oh, you're peddling processed shit." And like I like I don't care. Like I've never I've never told people I'm not peddling processed shit. I do whatever the fuck I want. Fuck you. But but I looked at the um, what, what what do you say to that? Yeah. Like, the, the, so for me, ancestral supplements, heart and soil supplements, the fittest supplements, medicine man, plant company supplements are all processed, right? So um, it, it really comes down to, I've always said, if you can go out and hunt, go on a sacred hunt, have that connection with the animal, have that connection with the land, there's nothing better than this. Yeah, you oh. actually told me, you're like, don't take the pills, eat all the organ meat you can. The pills are just like for a backup. And I'm like, oh, dude, I can't, I'm, I'm not there yet. You're like, okay, well, start getting there and get off the supplements. And it's, it's like, the, yeah, you message. preach it. Yeah, you preach yeah. it. Go do this thing. And then if you're not going to go on a hunt, go get to know your butcher. Go shake his fucking hand. Go look him in the eye. You know, go to a farmer's market and, and go put down the goddamn phone and make an actual connection. Know where your food comes from. Mm. And these are the best way to collect and to nourish yourself, right? Because you get more nourishment than just what the organs provide. This is what I know. A fraction of people are going to do that. And so there's this easy, simple, convenient way to let this stuff nourish you. And so I, my message is still the same. This is still processed stuff, right? We got liver, heart, pancreas, spleen, colostrum, blood, and bones inside the whole beast. And, and I still drink the whole beast every, and people are like, why the fuck do you have protein on top of protein? You know, and, and these guys at uh, Barstool Sports did a podcast and they were talking about liver king for like 15 minutes. And I loved it. I loved hearing it every second of it. And they're like, yeah, it's true. I see what this guy eats for dinner. In addition to like five pounds of meat, he actually has a protein shake, <laughs> which is true. Um, and, and the protein in there is bovine protein. You know, it's not some whey protein isolate. It's what comes from the carcass of the animal. And then there's other things. I don't take colostrum otherwise. I don't take kidney every single day. I get enough from the whole beast to top off all of those peptides that I, that I otherwise would not even be getting. And so what I try and tell people is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. I think I said that it's the other way around. Don't let good be the enemy of perfect. You fucking know what right, I'm saying. Right, 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 right. So well, well said. Yep. I don't give a fuck. You know, if, if, if this is the only way you need to get liver in your life, you need to get bone marrow in your life, the organs, the complementary blend that's in the whole beast. Again, if you can go out and go on a hunt, do it. If you want to get to know your butcher, do it. If you're going to prepare it and consume it, go do it. That there's nothing better. A fraction of people are, are, are going to do that. The next best thing is to go get this stuff that's lightly processed and, and let that nourish you. And when you see how that nourishes you and change your life, maybe one day you will start eating liver. 
but I guarantee you this, this will change you. This will put you on a trajectory. You're officially a primal, you know, and when you're officially a primal, that barbarian's fucking cut. It's a matter of time that barbarian comes out. Um, I, 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 when Paul Saladino says you shouldn't drink sparkling water out of a can and he talks about how the inside sprayed with this plastic and shit, but that there it is again, you could, what, what you just said, Hey, if you're drinking six Cokes a day and your step to getting off of six Cokes a day is to drink three sparkling waters, God bless you. Go for it, brother. Like do like do your shit. Like yeah. I, I, I fully support that. Like it's, it's, it's steps. Um, are, are you a man of faith at all? Do you, do, are you a religious guy? Were you brought up religious? Do you, do you have, uh, are you, I get asked this question all the fucking time. Why, why do you ask? I, I'm just wondering because you've been through a lot of fucking hard shit. And a lot of people who've been through a lot of hard shit will s- seem to be religious people. Like at some point they, they, they turn to God. They turn to some, something, something esoteric. Yeah, This is what I say. I believe we're all of one people. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, my animal is my brother. I believe that we all breathe from the same body of air. We all drink from the same goddamn body of fucking water, right? It's in our ability to deeply love, to build these bonds with one another, you know, to share the success of the hunt that has made us who we are today. What makes that possible is something fucking extraordinary, you know, something extraordinary. I don't know what that thing is. You know, I'm still trying to discover that thing myself. Mm. Yeah. But whenever we start to talk about religions or anything that potentially is like, there's multiples, which means maybe I'm right. Maybe you're wrong. Mm. You know what? I'm like, we're pretty much fucking the same. Like we, we all have been shaped through the same life giving forces. We're a whole lot more alike than we are different. This is what we need to focus on. Yeah. And, and this cracks me up too. Um, I'm just going to take a stab at this. When people ask me about like my views on what's going on around the world. Right. You, you care what liver King fucking thinks, you know, like what's going on over here. What first thing I say is get your fucking life in order, get mm. your life in order Get your household in order. Be in a position where you can help your own fucking neighbor. Mm. If you can do this, you have the right to now maybe go help someone else. But when people are limping along in life and their own house is a fucking disaster, which is a lot of people's lives, like you have no hand in, in these other topics. Um, so I, you know what? Um, my mom raised me in a lot of, we, we went to a couple of different churches. Uh, I never really paid attention. In fact, uh, my brother and I both got bullied in Sunday school. <laughs> like we would go and we'd eat the fucking donuts and then we couldn't wait to go. We couldn't wait to leave. So in terms of identifying with a religion, I don't identify with a specific religion, but what I, what I would say is we have a whole lot. There's something extraordinary here. And, and what I'm hoping to also discover going to visit all these indigenous culture tribes is I, I hope that there's a tenth tenant. I want to expand whether it has to do with plant medicine oh. Or, or because now I'm so some of the tribes have some really interesting thoughts on afterlife, but mm. some tribes don't even think about it. Like some tribes are like, what we care about is today. All we care about is imagine living that present, you know, like the Hudza, all they care about is today. They devour the food for the day. They devour the day. They don't save a morsel for tomorrow. There's no visionary planning. There's no, imagine if you could live like that. 
there's something special there. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying what an incredible experience, you know, the way that these people live. So, and again, like the fulfillment, the peace of mind, um, the happiness of these tribes, it transcends the way that, that, you know, any of us are living today. These people are so incredibly happy. So I am hoping to expand and, and hopefully have um, another tenant. Like I'm not just going to these places saying, oh, yeah, you guys sleep like this, right? You guys eat like this. You move like this. Like what I really hope to do, like this isn't about me. Right. This is about the way that our ancestors have lived since the beginning of time. This is the way that about the primitive cultures, how they live today. This is about taking this back and refining the nine ancestral tenants, maybe having a 10th or 11th over time. And I'm seeing a lot of dogs. There's a lot of dogs in these primitive culture tribes um, and making sure that we're empowered to live our best lives. Have you been to India? Not yet. Well, you're about you're going to see something. Um, I'll tell you about interesting about living in the present. Um, uh, when I was in, um, I don't know where it was. Maybe it was Malawi or Mozambique. I was, I was somewhere and I was in this fucking really isolated spot, right? Where people came from 10 miles away to get water to this one watering hole. Right. And the water, the water only came out of this pipe a couple hours every day. So if you got there and it wasn't, you didn't walk home. You stayed the night there. Everyone slept around this, this, this water hole. It wasn't a well. It was actually water brought in from the government. And I'm sure you saw those lot when you're in Africa. Sometimes you'll just see on the side of the road women walking with the huge yellow buckets on their head of water. And their whole life is just about getting water, a lot of these people. And I, I was there at this watering hole and um, about really close to it, like 20 feet away, there was a, a, a mulberry tree. And it was fucking hurting. And I was so surprised to see a mulberry tree in Africa. I was like, wow. And it was hurting. It was so hurting. And, and, and next to it, there's all this water spilling on the ground. And there's all these people filling water. So while I'm there, I put my camera down and I get a stick. And from where all the water spilling on the ground in between, when because the, the water just comes out of this pipe and they move their bucket in between it. So every time you move a bucket in between it, water hits the ground. I dig a little tiny, I don't know, four inch wide fucking aqueduct little canal mm. that goes from where the watering hole is to the tree so now all the runoff water is watering the tree and i'm like how the fuck did no one like <laughs> here see that but but, but it, I, I i i i thought well it's because these fuckers are just they're just living in the present like trying they just want to make it like not to tomorrow but one more minute and they need to get their lives in order right their own lives in order their yeah. own families like their household it, because they can't help a neighbor, you know, and, and they're not going to go help this tree. Right? They're, they're, right. they're forced. Yes. They're yes. Forced, you're right. Yes. Yeah. To, to focus on, on that tree. Um, but this is something that also transcends all primitive cultures is we got to work just for water. I mean, right. they got to go work just for water and we can't go do 15 or 30 pushups. Right. <laughs> I can't believe it. You I can't, can't wait 15 minutes to have a piece of gum. What the fuck is wrong? You got to wait 12 <laughs> hours for a cup of water. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's built into their daily living, the way that they move, the way that they lift heavy shit, you know, the, the way that they have to be mobile to carry to balance that kind of water. You know, I mean, it's built into what they do. And I'm not surprised when I see how healthy they are because of all the work, because of all the mechanical loading, because of all the self signaling that they're feeding themselves once again to epigenetically express a superior form. This is what we need to be doing. We need to take some notes. When you told that story about the gum, you know, um, I heard I got a totally different lesson from it. What I heard was here because I think most people and, and I know a lot of people use that term most people, but I think most people um, open a piece of gum, put it in their mouth, chew the gum, spit it out. And, and you, if you ask them, hey, did you have a piece of gum? They don't even know. 
And so when you told me you were watching, you watched your thoughts come in saying you wanted a piece of gum. This is by, this is called meditation. You're in a 24 hour meditation. You are the man who's trapped in a room with a King Cobra who will not take its eyes off of it. And that's your brain. You're not led. The King doesn't let the brain rule him. You hear the brain turn on being like, I want a piece of gum. And the King goes, who the fuck are you? You'll wait 15 minutes. You don't run this fucking shit, bitch. And then the brain says, okay, I'll chill for 15 minutes. And, 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 and what I hear when I hear that story, and then when you share that with your son, you're basically telling your son, the big profound thing there isn't that you wait for gum, but I am a man who I, I am. A, I am a king who watches my brain. My brain does not rule me. There is another, there is an other, there is an awareness that is uh, conducting and, and, and the thoughts are just a tool. I'm responsible for these thoughts, but, 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 um, but they are not me, you yeah. know? And there's not a lot of instant gratification that you see in these primitive culture tribes. Ah, you know, they're, they're, you, again, you got to really work for it. You know, you got to do if wow. it's just water. If it's just water, you know, if you're just thirsty, you know, let's just say you just want to take a piss like we just did. Yeah. You, you don't even just go out your front door to take it, you know, a piss or your hut to take a piss. It's like everything requires, you know, s- some thoughtfulness, you know, and, and, and a little bit of effort. Yeah. And wouldn't you say, I mean, th- come on, we got to, the way that instant gratification is ubiquitous today, you know, when it comes to food, when it comes to water, when it comes to pleasure, when it comes to entertainment, like we have instant gratification 24 mm-hmm. seven. So this should be something that I feel like something that is maybe an, a knee jerk reaction for us. Like let's be a little thoughtful about that. Let's just wait a few minutes. Let's train right. the brain. Like you said, to show the brain who the fucking King is, right? Because you, you get wrapped up in, in, in that world. You know, you can have a hard time really enjoying life, dude, people, the, um, the, the, um, p- porn addiction. I hear people talk about porn addiction. I'm four, I'm 50 years old. When I was a little kid, the shit that we would do, we would come home from school and we would look at the world, uh, uh, world book encyclopedia. And we would look up the word bitch or ass <laughs> or dick or fuck. And me and my friends would be like, dang, fuck ain't in there, but bitches in there. Oh, dang, <laughs> dog, that sucks. I thought it was some, a bad word. And, and, and it, it, uh, now these kids, I don't know. I don't know how I'm ever going to give my kid a phone. Like you could just type in any any crazy thought you wanted, and and and, and there's a video of it of it probably happening. And uh, yeah, it, what I think of that is because that's the instant form of gratification. Yeah. And, yeah. and and I think that that's got to be co- corruption. Just corrupt. Yeah, just, just, I think it just corrupts you, but not in the traditional. I don't mean in, like in the religious or moral sense. I think it just corrupts your. Well, we saw what Patrick Bet David did. It. He put a fucking squish. He put a fucking safety pin on his dick for seventeen months, and he made a million bucks to take it off. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you know or a clothespin. Is um, the way that seems like TikTok feeds you content. You know, people mind. You do. Are you on TikTok? I don't do TikTok or Facebook. I just stick to Instagram. Liver King is on TikTok and, okay. and I do respond to uh, three or four. I just started responding to a couple of comments a day okay. on TikTok. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, we were at a barbarian party and somebody got in the back of the dually and they said, hey, your phone is on your profile page. And uh, she, was, she was kind of poking fun at me. And uh, I said, she, she thought it was real funny. She's like, oh, look how egotistical. I caught you being egotistical, right? And I said, well, where else would it be? You know, I mean, and I kind of meant that, like, I'm not just trying to be clever. And, uh, and, and so I follow five people 
you know, and, and half of them are my companies. You know, I'm very thoughtful about what I curate and I use social as a weapon, you know, to yes. and, but when you mindlessly consume content, this is when it gets dangerous because, um, somebody was talking about a, a Buzzfeed Steffi does an interview and she's, she says something about like, a um, TikTok for you page. I don't know if I'm saying this right. I don't even know what this is. I don't know what this is. She walks me through it. She shows me how to go to the home screen. So I go to the home screen and she basically is like, this is the content that they serve you. And I look at that and I'm like, this is horrific, but it's entertainment. It's mindless. I mm-hmm. could see how dangerous this can be for people. Like we got to be really careful about let's be, be like, let's go create the world we want to live in. Let's not be reactive to what somebody else is serving us. Let's say, here's where I find value in four or five people. You know, if if I if I can find value from these four or five people enjoying their content, maybe maybe if I have time, you know, I can follow somebody else. But I look at it as like a full library. If I want to follow somebody else, I got to take this other person away. Oh, um, that's smart. But this is this is what happens with porn, right? It's like it's it's absolutely ridiculous what it's doing for people. And this reminds me of uh, one of my best bosses I ever had, one of the greatest mentors. I've hey, ever it's had junk. Life. It's junk food. It's fucking junk food. It's like eating cotton candy when you really should be going to the gym, working out, and then and then peacocking um, at the beach looking for a real girl. <laughs> Leave it to <laughs> you to summarize that perfectly. Um, this is Jason Ritchie says this to me. He, uh, we're in San Francisco, and uh, there's two other guys with us, Brett and Tim, and there's some pretty girls that walk by. And Brett and Tim are gawking at him like, hey, check this out. You guys, let's check this out. And, uh, and Jason just almost like backhands us. He's like, what the fuck are y'all doing? You know, what you need to be doing is you need to go work out. You need to go create value in yourself because do you know how you look when you got at other girls are seeing you do that? You look like a piece of shit when you're checking out a girl like that. What you need to do is go create value in yourself. So one day they'll see you as the complimentary opposite. One day you'll be worthy because right now you're not worthy. You know, and I remembered when he said that, I was like, I will never check out a girl ever again in my life <laughs> <laughs> like that, like that. And, and, and so this is what we need to do, right? Like porn is like the antithesis of this, you know, like it's accessible. It's right there. And, and this is the story I just told you. I tell my kids this all the time. Like porn is there. Don't go watch that shit because it's going to hijack, hijack your fucking brain and people can't be with people men can't be with women that they love that they want to be with because they have this other idea this fucking dis, like distorted deception of of what love and sex actually is i'm like y'all don't go watch this shit because this this is what can happen to you and then you won't be able to perform and be with somebody that you actually love and care about and when you want to deepen that connection that kind of bond you're gonna have trouble doing that so don't let this create the brain damage that yeah. it does so I think, it, it, you know, of course, one day your kids will be older and you're going to need to give them a phone, but you're going to need to really talk to them about <laughs> that kind of shit. I just think that it's important to keep um, uh, people, bu- boys especially, I mean, probably girls too, but between the age of 12 and 35, if you're a dude, like like people ask me, like a 30-year-old guy will ask me, hey, should I be fasting one day a week? I'm like, fuck no, it's an old man thing. It's over 40 years old. Like don't do, like maybe once, maybe once a year do that fast for a couple of days. But like I do it every week and, and it's good at 49. I've slowed down. But um, and it's the same, but but when you're 12 to 35, you should be fucking busy every day. You should be fucking grinding. And if you're not, bad shit's going to creep into your life. That that phrase, um, the devil gives idle hands work, 
I mean, if you want to see the collapse of a society, anywhere you see you're driving down the road in some fucking foreign country or, or even in our own country, unfortunately, and you see 20, 18-year-old guys hanging out together on a corner or these encampments full of tents and it's just a bunch of fucking dr- – they call them homeless. I know what they are because I used to be homeless. They're just drug addicts. Anytime you see men, young men grouped together, it's a bad sign. It's a bad sign for society. It's a bad sign for civilization. It's a bad sign for them. It's um, It's a – it's it's a tragedy. Men need to be kept busy. Mm-hmm. What what does fasting have to do with that? Uh, well, I was just thinking of different things. Uh, so, sorry, sorry, that was a little bit of a, a brain fart. But like like when you're older, you can slow down. Like I I do think that there is a um I really enjoy at 49 years old waking up at six in the morning, walking into my backyard barefoot, peeing in the tree taking my clippers, clip some branches, pick some lemons to bring into the house. I don't need a lot of like, and then, and then I, and then I prepare for my podcast and I do my podcast from seven to nine. And then from nine to um, 10 o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night, I just, with my boys, just, just even if it's sitting on the beach watching, I'm just like that lion, just sleeping in the fucking, I just lay in the fucking bushes, you know, uh, and, and just watch them. And then they go to bed at eight. I get my second workout in for the day. I'm done with that by nine 30. And then from nine 30 to midnight, I'm prepping for my podcast the next day. And I repeat, but, but when you're, but, but I just feel like when you're, um, uh, 12 to 35, like you need to be grinding, like the g- g- stay fucking busy or, or busy is going to get you like, um, yeah. s- smoking weed is, uh, I, and this is from a guy who used to smoke a ton of weed. See, you're going to get older and be like, who would I have been if I didn't smoke three packs of cigarettes a day? Who would I have been if I didn't smoke um, weed every single day? That All the bad shit that you do when you're younger, it will catch up to you and you will wonder when you're older, who would I have been if I didn't do that? And, and you know, a lot of these things are, are good troubles, but you don't want to damage your body. And you're not always going to be able to be young and work hard. No, I think what, what you alluded to, ancestral ten and eight is fight. Oh, I love this. I love it how you do that. Hunting, yeah. <laughs> persevering, you know, and winning. And when you win, you get rewarded with a boost of dopamine and androgens that cultivate more of that behavior. It's like a closed loop. You know, the winners become more dominant. And so I think it's important. Yes, we got to have a purpose and a passion and a drive towards something that we can point ourselves at. When you're hanging out in a group for long enough, you know what? That's great for some social bonding. Put down the goddamn phone. And you can do that for a little bit. You, you need to know who you can count on. You need to know who's in your tribe. And that only happens mm. by spending some time and space with them. But spend too much. And I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. You know, it, it, there's nothing good and productive that's going to come out of that um, unless you're cooperating together to, of course, you know, go make your mark in the world to go do something that's your purpose and your passion. Um, the, the fasting thing, which is an ancestral tenant too, you know, is about eating. A lot of people want to know how to eat. It's just important to, to know that you better fucking stop eating. I don't agree <laughs> that you shouldn't fast um, between earlier ages. I think uh, what I've seen is that this is a selective pressure. That's a real pressure. Not everyone is successful with a hunt. Um, women and kids come first. If there's anything left over or if there's a small rodent that's caught, the women and kids get it. And so the men, um, I, w- I would say, irrespective of the age, if you're over 15, 20, you're not, you're not going to eat. You know, and I just think there's so many profound benefits to this. If, if you're already really kicking fucking ass in life and you're already metabolically healthy, um, I, I think that you're probably right. There's not a whole lot of reason to fast. But let's face it, most of the population, uh, number one, is not like that. And then number two, when I talk about fasting, I'm not like skip a fucking meal. 
right? Because people skip a meal today. It's intermittent fasting. And I know. I don't buy that shit either. Are you going to say you don't buy that shit? Like, really fast, motherfucker. This is the last thing I'll say about this is uh, I grew up without a dad. Mm-hmm. And knowing what I know now, if, if again, I'm a total piece of fucking shit if I don't do what I can do to be here for my boys. And so a five-day water-only fast once a quarter is something that I have to do to make sure that I'm here for my guys. Again, you a five-day fast uh, once once every uh, three months? That's right, yeah. Okay. So this is what we do. This is And, and I do this with my wife, and then my boys will do a, a, like a fasting-mimicking diet. And don't get me wrong. People are like, oh, you made your kids do it. They're eating double fucking bacon cheeseburgers every day. Shut the fuck up. You know? <laughs> right, right, I mean, they're, right. they're eating incredible right. food right. You know, right. all, all, all day long. Um, and they're eating their eggs with slathered in butter and bacon, you know, maybe a little avocado. Give me a fucking break. Like they're eating it up. Um, but uh, but so we do this as a family, you know, and to do this as a family is a really special thing to do together. And could you imagine on day five when it's time to feast together, that kind of celebration, that kind of painstaking effort that you endured for a week? You, this is not an easy thing to do. You know, so every Wednesday and Sunday, I go to, to, to 24 hours. It looks like you go to about 36 hours once a week. Is that right? Yeah, I kind of I do it. Um, I stop eating Saturday night so I can get the the, the sleep in kind of like that's the cheating. And then I don't eat all day Sunday and then I sleep again because I'm trying just to get both sleeps in. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so twice a week, I'll do a 24 hour fast. OK, and, wow. But, but it's just 24 hours. Again, to yeah. me, that's like that's like skipping a meal. You know, it, it, it's not a big deal. Um, and And so. Once a quarter is the big deal. That's the metabolic lever. That's the life extension. That's a life insurance, you know, you can't buy. And so right. when I do that once a quarter, I'm like, uh, and then I mean, I feel like there's, it's immeasurable the way that I feel after a five day water only fast, you know, th- there, there's new heights, you know, now you're going to PR everything, you know? So um, I do think it's important just whenever we mention the second ancestral tenant eat, and I'm talking about eat nose to tail whole foods, it's important to also be thinking about, when do we not eat, right? To honor right. the feast and famine cycle. And, and so I, I love, it's just effortless. You know, whenever I fast twice a week, it's like, I, I feel like I'm skipping one meal. But, but I always do that simulated successful hunt mm-hmm. before, I, before I break that fast. Because, you know, we talk about breaking our fast and everyone's like, oh, how are you going to eat it? What are you, you going to eat? I'm like, you break your fast by pumping for some real effort. Like, this is what our early ancestors, like you wouldn't have been fasting and then you snap your fingers and now there's food. Right. You're right. fasting because you're not successful with a hunt. And now you still got to go out and, and hunt. Yeah. Even I work out when I'm, I work out when I'm fasting. A lot of people say it's crazy. Yeah. It. And everybody thinks you're going to lose weight. You're going to go cat. I mean, it's all these ridiculous things, you know, people talk about, um, but, but uh, eating once and then people say, Oh, you can only, uh, you know, take in so many calories or so much protein at one time. Like, I don't know if any of that shit's true. All I know is like, um, I try if, if our early ancestors did it and if modern day primitive culture tribes are doing this thing, I think there's something to it. I think right. that it's a way that we can honor our early ancestors. I think it's a way that like um, our, uh, uh, the human organism has evolved through these pressures to express our highest form to epigenetically right. say, you know, through autophagy and apoptosis and all these other, you know, mitochondrial biogenesis, all these great fucking things that happen from fasting are otherwise virtually impossible. You know, if, if you don't do this stuff. So, um, yeah, I just think it's important if our early ancestors did it, if modern day primitive cultures and, and if you're kicking fucking ass in life, well, I want some of this. You know, I'm, obviously, let's not adopt everything that they're doing. 
right? But but if they're doing something that helped to really shape us, and and you know, if there seems to be some evidence to corroborate that, well, this is something I want in the nine ancestral tenants. Right. I have to take another pee break. Well, how about this? We've been I'm, on the we've I'm been doing a pee for dance. a while. But, <sighs> Or, or aren't we going to be, by the way, why you got to piss so much? Maybe you need to take some prostate. <laughs> no, I'm going prostate's good. I, I drank, I worked out, I worked out before we came on. I did right before we came on and I drank two cups of water of this. And then I just drank a cup of this like dandelion tea and I'm fucking my, my bladder is going to be right on. And could you imagine if you got more people, like what if you start training barbarian, how much you want to bet people are going to be like, what are you doing? I, I think a lot. And in fact, I've, I've used the, when I would do the mile sled drag, I use that as motivation because there's about a mile, 1.2 mile loop around the gym. And so I do it because I know that as the members and stuff are driving in, they'll see me out there doing it. And there's also no quit. I can't call somebody and say, Hey, can you come pick up my sled and my weights and everything else? So I use that as basically motivation to keep myself doing it. And in fact, I already wrote out my first mini barbarian with uh, some smaller percentages there. And I think after this, I'm going to head down there depending on my time frame, and actually go do it now based off a of 25% for the kettlebell, 35% for the backpack. 75%. Oh, we lost you, Sousa. He broke up. Oh, in my back. Yeah, the, the, what, one thing I'll just say about that is uh, we did barbarian. I, I should say I did barbarian across the Brooklyn bridge. Um, on this last trip? On this last trip. Holy um, shit. And, Have you put you that know, on your social media yet? I, I believe they live streamed it. Um, yeah, it I hasn't been it. on the social media. I'm sure that they'll upload it to social or, or some, some of it to social. But um, have you, either of you guys been across the Brooklyn Bridge? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, but if you go from Manhattan to Brooklyn, it's almost all uphill. And I didn't figure out any of the logistics of this, right? Oh, I, 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 I let them all figure it out. I, I just show up and I'm going to do Barbarian. I am the machine. And so I show up and I get all ready and I'm going, I'm thinking, okay, I know what my barbarian time should be. If I push it really fucking hard, by the way, I'm very proud to say I'm the barbarian world record holder. So I know what I can do. I know what I can do. And, uh, and, I, and I'm going to do it. And so now I'm thinking we need to be leveling out. This bridge needs to be leveled. It never fucking levels out. <laughs> as far as I can see, it's not leveling out. And then it goes from like concrete to wooden planks, which increases the drag. And then it's it, so afterwards I said, who the fuck planned the logistics of barbarian across the Brooklyn bridge? Cause this was one of the hardest barbarians I've ever done. And then, uh, and somebody sort of like sheepishly was like, uh, and I said, because it's the only fucking way to do it. Right. Cause <laughs> thing would go from high ground to low ground to do barbarian. Right. You want to choose the hardest fucking path. So I'm glad it's, it was so during it, you know, like, it was one of the, it was definitely fucking hard as shit. Um, so whenever you start uh, training, man, like I, I would love, I would love, you know, for you, you can inspire so many people to say, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing it? You know, and, and again, like it should be when you know that you're honoring the struggle of our early ancestors, that you're honoring your own genetic fitness, you know, um, that you're doing this so that you can enjoy the spoils of the modern world, this kind of sacrifice, you know, and this is part of what I say in my speech, if I say enjoy the spoils of the modern world, it can be a time of peace and plenty. It can be a, a, a time, you know, to whatever the fuck you want to earn. You know, it's like, again, it means so much more. And when they know what barbarian stands for, and when you feel that barbarian coming out of you, I, you are going to set off a new type of energy. And how much you want to bet other members are, are going to be like, bro, I want to do that too. I want to yeah. do that. Oh, so many people want to do it. So many people I know, because I mentioned your name on the podcast a lot. 
And so many, and people all the time will be like, oh, I want to try that. I want to try that. I bet you ankle weight sales and all that stuff that you use have skyrocketed. For sure. I bet you they, why don't you have, why don't you have a place on your site where someone can go buy all that stuff? Like these are the ankle weights. These are the chains. These are not even to make money, but just at a convenience. Is that, is that once again, that's just one of the things like, Hey, you don't want to sway off course. Yeah. You know, um, I got proposed to do so many ridiculous things, you know, the t-shirts, the hats, the coffee, but cutting board was kind of a cool one actually. Um, and then like, yeah, that is cool. The knife, fucking like barbarian knife. And, and this guy sent me this fucking knife. I don't know if you can see the, oh, shit. the liver king on it. He was like, Oh, this will be the liver king knife. Let's and, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, the core business is the core business. Right. Like the core business is this message to amplify this message. And I, I refuse to get distracted from that. Like if you're going to tell me how doing that is going to amplify this message, if you're going to tell me how this is going to end the struggle and the suffer of this ex population and improve their life, I'm, I'm all ears. But if this thing is to finance, you know, something else, I'm like not interested in that, you know, the, the, the all the financial stuff, I'm sure that you know this, if, when you're living your life's passion, when you're creating value, again, people pay for value. And so it's validation that what you're doing is valuable. Right now, the last thing that I want to do is sell fucking knives or a hat or Liver King sells, you know, swag. Fuck that. Liver King is not going to sell swag. So, yeah, this, this is something that I'm like, it's, it's the full library. You know, if you start to point yourself towards anything else, you take away from the most important thing in your life. So if we talk about um, prioritize, execute, dominate, like this, this is how you do it. Stay hyper-focused. Um, wow. is your mom still alive? Yeah. Um, what, what, what I, 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 I mean, my dad was in my life. I saw my dad on the weekends and he was a great guy. I, it would be, it would be crazy to say he wasn't in my life. He was totally in my life and invested in my life, but, but, but I live with my mom. What, what is your relationship like with her? Like, are you, are you, are you close to her? Are you crazy proud? Is she crazy proud of you? Um, has it, do you, how do you think that's molded your view towards women? Like, part of me is like, whenever I see like a women's movement shit or like, it, I'm almost like offended by it. Like, you don't need to tell me what a fucking woman's capable of. Like, fuck you. Or anytime there's like women's pride <laughs> shit or like, because there's this, there's this, there's this, um, implication that they're not, that they're, that they're, um, that they're not worthy. I mean, we're not, we're not equal. I'm not saying one's better than the other. We're different creatures, but, but women are powerful creatures in their own right. They don't need any like fucking soft serve shit. Like what are your feelings on that? Like yeah. about, about what you learned about by being raised by your mom and, uh, and, and, and your relationship with her now? Well, my mom was hardcore and my mom was yeah. you know mother and father and she had to play both roles and she had to discipline two motherfuckers. You know, uh, two boys that were kind of close in age. So we did a lot of fucked up shit. Uh, she was also raised, you know, she, like throwing she, rocks, breaking windows, stealing candy from stores, shit like that. All that, up all or, that. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, she was also raised in a military family and then she was a military family. So, um, you know, this is, I'm, I'm sure you remember the days like nothing was off limits when it came to discipline and punishment. Nothing was off limits. And, um, and then just not too long ago, my brother, you know, let her have it. My brother was like, hey, here's the way that you fucking raised me. Here's what you did. And, you know, this this probably wasn't a real good thing. And she's like, uh, you don't believe all that, do you? I'm like, hey, first of all, it's all true. But who the fuck is he to come tell you this? Like, You're 75 years old. You know what I mean? Like, how about some fucking gratitude? <laughs> how about mm. agency ownership, leadership over the life that a fucking 47, 48-year-old man is going to be living? Like, you're going to go tell her this shit at this point in your life? 
Right. I, I got a problem with that. Um, my mom has just been ultra competitive. The consummate one-upper. Anything that you've done, she's done, and she's done it better. Wow. To you that. Yeah, um, she always really pushed us in sports, like uh, even in um, high school. So when you were getting beat up, she was like, well, take care of it, you pussy. She didn't know about any of that shit. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, she didn't know any of that, and there was no, how was your day? You okay. know, there was one time when I came back from middle school, the first day of sixth grade, how was your day? And I said, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. And I'm sure I was crying. I'm sure I was fucking crying. And yeah, the, whatever she said to me, I remember there will never be words exchanged on this topic ever again in my life. And so that's what happened. You know, was, no words were ever shared. There was no questions ever again. She probably didn't want to know the fucking answer. <laughs> but right. once again, I just want to make it crystal clear that I am grateful as fucking hell for these, for these years that shaped my life. But my mom was just an incredible competitor, the best competitor I've ever known. And so I'm sure that she's taught me how to compete at life. And, uh, and so this is how my mom is. She's so proud about what's happening now. Mm. And she'll send me text messages all the time. Like, I liked it when you didn't yell as much into the camera. You should go back. Oh. Brian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Th- th- this yeah my mom does that shit too. Can't you just be funny? You're funny as shit. Why do you got to be, get all crazy? <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like what I'm doing with the stories. I'm like, I am yelling, you know, and I'm like, have I just become this guy that fucking yells in the cat? I don't even fucking know, but I'm having fun and, and I'm and I'm seeing DMs. It seems like you know what it's working. And so I don't even respond to her. I don't respond. You're getting more comfortable. Like at this first when, when you're definitely getting more comfortable. At first, when you came on, it, um you were more you were more reserved it's not that you were uncomfortable you're more reserved and now you're more comfortable and um for those of us who followed you since day 1 when you had 100 followers there's an intimacy building we're we're built, we're, we're we're your family now you know you know what you you hit the nail on the head and now i'm having fun i'm comfortable i'm having fun i'm still stretching myself in new ways um but but uh, one of my best friends uh, was was texting me and he said uh this this isn't the Brian i grew up with you know, like it doesn't sound like you're really having fun. Like, where's that guy? And he was, he was right. And I was like, you know what? I got to have some fun with this. And, and it was clear as day. Like if this is going to be sustainable and scalable, I got to have some fun. And yeah. somewhere along the way, we figured it out. Cause I'm having fun. I'm having a whole lot of fun with it now. And, uh, and, and then around the dinner table, like I remember uh, liver queen says, you know what? You get to teach like this philosophy to the primals. Um, why aren't you teaching the same philosophies to our boys? And I said, well, you know what we're going to do now at dinner time? We're going to talk about our wins, our losses, liver king and liver king philosophy as well. So, you know what? It's a real trick to get 60 seconds or less and say something philosophical, right? Especially when you're long-winded, this, this becomes, you know, something to really develop. And so, you know, like we get in, we get out. And, but the cool thing is at the dinner table, you got an hour and now we get to talk about all this stuff. You know, and, and so um, something that we talked about just recently um, is uh, ordering off the menu, you know, and, and because in life, right, like we're taught to, to get in line, we're taught to order on the menu, right? Before, before you're presented with a menu, you can order anything in the world. And this oh. is what I loved when you said pterodactyl earlier, because you can order a pterodactyl. <laughs> you have billions, trillions, you have it virtually, and if you can think it, then you can order it. Then all of a sudden, someone gives you a, million, a, a menu, and you go from a trillion to, I don't know, 12 things, 
right? And, and so this is a special thing that I've been able to teach them at the dinner table. When you go to the dinner table is you don't have to order from the menu. Let's, off the, let's order off the menu literally when we're going out to eat. It's not some nicely, neat, neatly packaged fucking thing, right? We can order whatever the fuck we want. And then this is the way that it is in life, right? This is why we got to think, do we need to stand in line? You know, do we need to, I don't know what kind of shit I'm going to get about this. I don't stop at red lights. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're telling, Texas me, shit. you're telling me you're going to fucking just stay here. Well, by the way, I don't know if there's these cameras. I've never gotten a ticket in the mail, but let's say no one's around. Yeah. And there's a red light. Are you fucking going to let that light tell you to stay put? Just think about it. You know, if there's no cars around, if there's no cops, you know, you own your life. You know, and, and so I think that this is an important thing. Um, you know, again, social norms are social norms, you know, for that reason. Like, we need to stretch ourselves. We need to grow. We need to be thinking, why are we wearing a shirt? Why are we trimming our beard? Why are we doing these things? You know, and if you can continually order off the menu, again, these are the, the dinner conversations we have. I, I think that you have all the inner makings of, you know, creating and shaping a really unique life, one that you get to define and call your own, not the way somebody else. My mom chose my curriculum for me. My mom was like, my dad was a veterinarian. So she's like, okay, he was a doctor. You're going to be a doctor. And my mom chose biology, chemistry, and biochemistry. Oh, By the way, I don't remember a single fucking thing from college. Nothing. And I wrote a thesis. I wrote a thesis on human nutrition. And I remember virtually nothing from what I did learn how to do from my mom is I learned how to compete. And, I le- and so I eventually uh, graduated with a full-ride scholarship, academic scholarship, because I learned how to compete. Oh, I was going to ask you, how did you afford college? Who paid for it? You got a scholarship. Wow. Way, way, way smarter than me. I got better grades than them. I'll just give you what one story. Um, there's a, um, a organic chemistry. I was uh, had a girlfriend in this class, way smarter than me. She tutored me, and I would try and cheat off of her. And, okay, uh, that was like a, a, a 101 ABC shit, right? That shit was hard. It, it was just stuff. And yeah. um, I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't even fucking learn anything from any of the basic chemistry. And I didn't take any of this stuff in, in – uh, um, high school. In fact, I couldn't even get into college. I got into, I went, I, I had to go to take um, remedial classes at the community college. And the people I was taking classes with couldn't speak English. Wow. This is 100% fucking true. So finally, <laughs> I get on uh, into Texas Tech on probation. My mom's like, here are the classes you're going to fucking take. Here's, you know, here, here's what you're going to do. And um, long story short, in this organic chemistry, um, and this happened virtually in every single class, I figured out that um, the, the professor um, leads a, a Bible group. And I, ch- I, I joined his Bible group. And at the end of the fucking period, I got an A and she got a B. And what, te- what tenant is that? Socialize, <laughs> socialize and, um, and uh, stay close to the tribe. What, what tenant is that? That is some brilliant shit. Yeah, I was good. Is, I'm good at that tenant- shit, too. This is ancestral tenant eight, which is fight, which is figure it the fuck out. Make sure that you persevere, you struggle, and you win. And again, when you learn how to win time after time after time, you're not afraid to go to your biology teacher and say, you know, I got a 49 on this. I know I'm better than this. What can I do to make it up? You know, oh, there's nothing you can do. Well, guess what? I'm going to I'm going to rewrite the whole fucking test and I'm going to present this to you the next time I see you in the most impressive possible fucking way. There, at the end of the day, everyone's just a person. Right. And, and some people try and stick to the letter of law, but we're still fucking human beings. You can always figure that shit out. My mom taught me how to compete like nobody else's business. And so, um, yeah, my mom is incredibly proud. That's ordering doing. off the menu right there, too. Another great example. Get an F on a test. Tell your teacher you want, you want a chance to redo it. She says no. You present her the test again and you, you know, with a presentation. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, fuck. We're all just people here. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So um I, I hope I'm gonna send this podcast to my mom once it's on because she deserves it. <laughs> Uh, she she was really tough on us, and I'm so glad she was really tough on us. But I, she absolutely taught us how to compete at the highest level. You talk about rite of passage. I was trying to think of what my rite of passage was. There's a couple things, but one of the things, and this is pre-cell phone, obviously. There was some point in my life where I just fucking cut the world off. Like I just basically I get rid of everything I owned. I became homeless. There weren't cell phones, and I didn't talk to my parents for a year. God, I'll fucking kill my boys if they do that to me. <laughs> um, but uh, did, did you? And, and it was amazing. It was an, it was probably one of the best years of my life. It was fucking. I was fr- I experienced freedom being a homeless man, and I wasn't addicted to drugs like my cohort. So it was just it was it was amazing. Um, w- w- was there anything in your life for you w- that was like where you kind of broke that umbilical cord with your mom? Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm I'm assuming all boys have it because I had it where it was just like, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm free. I never, I'm, I don't feel like I ever had the umbilical cord with my okay. mom. I feel like my mom was, uh, she was fucking hard. She you was were birthed so and you were free. <laughs> um, I, she pushed you, you out of the nest the same day you were born. I mean, I've been kicked out of my mom's house a bunch of times. My mom kicks me out. I'm gone for a year. I come back, kicks me out. I'm gone for a couple of years. I come back, kicks me out. I'm gone. But I, I was always trying to come back. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, no. Um, you ever kicked she, out of your house? No, 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 no. She she okay. never kicked me out of the house, but okay. she was so physically rough with us. Okay. And you don't know you just don't know any better. Like this is just what happens is um this is what the parent does and you don't know how other parents, you know, parent their kids. Like she right. she would fucking beat us up. And yeah. she was way stronger than us. She was way bigger than us. And I'll never forget, you know, as uh my brother and I are getting stronger, you know, now we can we can push back a little bit. And I remember seeing my brother push back and I remember like you knew that was wrong you knew that was not okay. And so then it created friction between my brother and I. Uh, I don't know if you remember these movies. Um, Do you remember Boys in the Hood? Yeah, great flick. I remember like Boys in the Hood and like Menace to Society. Like these movies kind of raised me and helped to shape me. And it was like, you don't fucking do, you never touch a woman. I don't care my brother, like, and I don't care how bad she fucked you up. You never do that shit. And so I remember like wanting to protect her. but and, and, And also not really faulting him because this is the way that she raised us, you know, right. but I'll be goddamned if you're going to fucking do that. So I really wanted to protect her, but I will say this, the umbilical cord seems like it was never, <laughs> never there. Gotcha. Yeah, she, it was pretty fucking rough on us from, I mean, th- there was this one day, it was her birthday or mother's day. And uh, I was definitely like three or four years old. And I asked the neighbor if he could help us get the house ready for her. We'd clean the house, we'd mop and do all the shit. And, um, uh, what ends up happening? She, she, uh, she came home and, and we're like, Hey, um, happy mother's day or, mom's day or whatever or a uh, birthday and um we use something called have you ever heard of mopping glove yeah okay mm-hmm. so like has a wax orange bottle right i don't i don't remember any of that yeah. but all, all i remember is this we spent all day fun cleaning the house for her and then she comes home and, and and she sees this and apparently we didn't do a good job sweeping first and she loses it she is so dude i remember this like yesterday she is screaming at the top of her lungs how we've ruined the floor you know, and, and like, it, it, this is when you think that you've done such a good thing, you know, and the juxtaposition is like, you're going to get praised to, oh my God, you fucked up so bad. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and there's a lot of incidences like that, that happened, you know, a- along the way. So, um, you know, again, like she did to have two boys for her to do this with <laughs> uh, blue bottle, blue bottle. 
this is funny. Yeah, for her to to to, to do this with two boys without a dad, um, I think she did a pretty goddamn good job. Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, it's incredible. Is your dad still alive? No, no, he he died before I have any memories of him. Mm. And and what does your mom say about your success now? Is she like, if she's a competitor, is she like, yeah, look, my son did this great. Like <laughs> she must be, is she like so proud of you? I feel like she is. I, I don't hear her say that, but I've heard her saying that before any of the success that I have now. So, I mean, I, I remember like, you know, in, in high school, it would be like, he's the best water skier you've ever seen. He does ramps. He does flips. He does. He's a bodybuilder. You know, look at his. She would take pictures and show everybody that she doesn't even fucking know. You know, and, and then in college, of course, anywhere we went. I mean, I, these are just the things I would hear. And she likes to talk a lot. So she would be saying this, of course, all the time without me. You know, he gets straight A's. He graduated with a 4.92. <laughs> you Was name that it. true? Is that true? Yeah, this is true. You know, and uh, and so a three point nine two. Um, there's no such thing as a four point nine two. Now there is. Now there is. Now there's all those extra classes and shit. I think now you can get like a five point oh. It's like it's like crazy now. Oh well, here, here's what I, I know. I got one fucking B. I got one wow. B. I got one B. And I got one B too, but I didn't not because I got A's. <laughs> yeah, so, so she would love to brag, you know, and she would, she, she was so proud. And so I don't get to hear her in those uh, situations now because we don't, we don't share that same kind of space. But when she comes over, she's like, she always says how proud my dad would be the way oh. that I'm raising my boys and the sort of impact I'm making in the world. And so to hear her say that she doesn't do a whole lot of looking me in the eye and she doesn't tell me, you know, like I, I love, I'm proud of you. You know, she, she, she'll tell me how proud he would be of me. Do you tell your boys, do you love on your boys pretty hard? It's, it's real interesting. Um, I I do. uh, Yeah. Hell yeah, I do. Um, You know, and you know, like by uh, (laughs) this might be embarrassing to him, but uh, they both, the guys here call me daddy. I'm I'm going to fucking take that as long as I can take that. You know, um, we have mandatory hugs in the house. I don't know if you guys do that too, but it's like, you I know, can't keep my hands off my boys. If any time I see my boys, I just I just grab them and squeeze them. They probably – I'm pulling their ears and their hair and their arms. I tug on them all day. They're dope. Yeah. That's all – yeah, yeah. And and so I would say um, that I know a lot of adult men who have dads that never told them that they loved them. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, this, this is not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think this is okay. This is not going to happen. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty liberal with how I express my feelings with them. They, they, they also know when they fucked up. Yeah. Uh, and, and um, you know, just the other day, Leverqueen asked me this a few weeks ago. She's like, hey, when did you become a dick? And like, <laughs> what do you mean by that? And she's like, for the last couple of years, like, you just cut right to the chase. And I'm like, you know what? This happened when I ran out of time. When I ah. run out of time and you run out of, you know, the niceties, you, 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 everything now is like, it's, it's not an option anymore, you know? And this is why I think it's so important and valuable to have an incredible, compassionate team around you that can express the best version of you. Um, and so this is what happens a lot of times with my boys too. And, and I'll talk to them about it. You know, um, I shouldn't have talked to you like that. Yeah, I, would, I do that too. I do that too. Like if we, I explode, we, if I explode on them, if they hear the lo- lion, ro- I call it the lion roar. Um, uh, if I roar, uh, that in and, and, and it, they didn't deserve it. I'll go over and, and lick them and be like, Hey, you deserve better. You deserve better. I'm working on it. And I do work on it. 
Yeah, that, that's really important. I, I definitely never once had that growing up where it was like, oh, hey, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Fuck that. That never, ever would have happened. So, yeah, I think it's important um, to share with them. And I do this in business all the time, too. I'll make a bad decision and I'll go back to, uh, you know, the CMO or anybody. And I'll say I, I made a bad decision. I get a take back, you know, or if I change my mind, I'm the fucking CEO and the owner. I, I, I have the right to change my fucking mind. You know, something happened along the way where it's like people got too proud to say shit like that. Yeah. And I think we need to be really comfortable saying, hey, I fucked up and or I have the right to change my mind. I'm changing my mind. So to be able to to teach that to your kids, I think, is an important lesson, an important value to instill at an early age is you have the right to change your mind. You have the right to come and say, hey, I shouldn't have done that thing. I did that thing, you know, and and I don't apologize to them. Um, And, you know, a lot of cultures, primitive tribes, there's no word for I'm sorry or I apologize. It's uh, here's Mm -hmm. what I'm going to do better. And here's Mm -hmm. how you can help me become better, too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that's a cool thing to be able to do that with them. I definitely um, love love on them. And it's interesting to find ways to love on them as they become adults, as they become men. Yeah. Yeah. Because now now it's it's like when they're younger, it's like it's fucking great. Like they will do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you fucking cuddle with them all night and yeah. all morning and sit on your lap when you watch the fights and all that shit. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I wonder what you think about this. My, I don't want my wife undermining me, but but I also know that she needs to protect her ki- my kids from me. And I don't mean from me like putting cigarettes out on them, but like I'll fucking <laughs> get fucking angry. You know what I mean? And she's the nurturer and she needs to calm me down. Or after I lose my shit, she needs to pull me aside and be like, hey, before you yell at your kids, did you connect with them? Like, she'll have to like be like, and, and do you feel, do you feel that man and woman role in your, in your, it's, it's kind of like we, we, we touched on a little bit when you're, when your older son or when your middle son was doing the barbarian, like, hey, don't, that's not the time when mom, you know, cause yeah. mom will kind of invoke this, um, the you know your boys are older but even my boys at seven and five i can tell when she's around they have they remember breastfeeding like that's 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 where all the love's at do you is there kind of that in your family your wife's more the nurturer and you're you're more like hey 100 and and this is what happens um she doesn't challenge me in front of them right smart and we walk every single day my wife and i and we hold hands and we walk in the woods and um and she'll tell me, here's what you said. Here's what you did. And I don't agree with it. Let's talk mm. about that now. Mm. And so then the next day at dinner, at least half the time, she's fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So then so then it's me saying, hey, your mom and I talked about this thing, you know, and I get a take back. You know, I, 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 I get to be better. You know, here, here's what I should have said. Here's what we're going to do. Um, but I think it's incredible, you know, because uh, she doesn't challenge me in front of them. You know, Smart. she wants to make sure that the man is the, is the provider, is the protector. You know, if we get in a dark alley together, she knows that I can protect her, that I have the strength, not just the physical strength, but, you know, the, the, all, all the strengths that are required, you know, to protect her. Um, and she wants those sort of traditional roles modeled in front of our kids. And so it's, uh, it's, I'll tell you, it's way more effective, you know, to, to do this thing. And I mean, just the other day, I was doing like a dinner story. And I, I was looking for the whole beast and I couldn't find the whole beast protein bag. And, and I think I said to her, I was like, where's the whole beast protein bag? Don't waste my fucking time is what I said. And I kind of yelled. It, right. Yeah. And, um, and you know what she did? She goes to get a whole beast protein bag. She sets it exactly where it should be. And she kind of whispers in my ear, you took it to your office. <laughs> and, and, and this was true. This was, and imagine how I feel, right? This is, this yeah. is true. So then we talked about it afterwards, and and she's like, you know, I'm definitely a queen now. 
I'm a queen because the old me, you know, was, was the Valkyrie, was the warrior, was the how dare you fucking talk to me like that in front of my kids. You yeah. know, you don't do that. You know, and this is what she would have said, you know, like, I don't know, seven, eight, ten, ten years ago. And and now, like, there's, you know, we there are these rules of engagement, you know, and and she'll do that because she knows what the outcome is. And she knows what we're trying to model in front of the kids. And she knows we still got work to do. Like this story is that before we sit down and have a time of peace and plenty. This needs to get done. So everybody's got to, you know, pitch in to make sure that, that we corroborate. I don't think a lot of people understand that, that, you know, like when it's time to eat, most people just go and eat. But now what we're doing is saying we're going to record this and this may or not be exactly what we're eating. Now we still got to move over to the dinner table, you know, and, and, and so and there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, <laughs> into doing that, because it's not like we, 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 you know, use the whole beast every day. You know, everything's in a, in a different place. So I would say, um, yeah, in terms of traditional roles and the understanding, the mutual understanding that we have with each other, it, it's like we're on uh, on a synergistic another level doing that versus the old version of us, you know, would have been like fighting and not good stuff. That's why it's so good staying with someone for so long, man. If you find the right person and you can and you can work towards that greater good with them. I mean, you, ha- you have to put in the reps. You have to fight with someone a lot in order to get through fighting That's right. um you've given us three hours of your time it's it's probably uh i'm not usually a birthday guy but it what a great birthday present for me <laughs> 50 years old today to have the liver king on the Sevon podcast i'm so excited thank you for letting me pry into your life thank you for the intimacy thank you for all the stories i love the stories um and uh, and you're you're i would love to have you on again uh, even if it's 15 minutes cameos here and there uh you've been been nothing but good to me over the last year through the friendship we um we 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 sparked on instagram so thank you i really appreciate it this has been great and i appreciate the opportunity really to amplify this message you know to touch new lives and so thank you for the opportunity to do that. I will absolutely take you up on the to be continued version. I never thought in a million years we were going to talk for three fucking hours. <laughs> Me neither, but I'm like, fuck, I'm not letting this fucking guy go. He's going to run off into the woods with his loincloth. We're never going to see him again. But Liver Queen walks by over here and then my boys are like popping the head and like, is he still on the fucking <laughs> <laughs> so, so the deal is, again, like everything that we do in life, we we learn from. Right. It, yeah. we, we become a better version of ourselves. And so I was telling Matt earlier, um, I'll never get on a podcast again without defining the time. I'm, I'm oh. not doing a three hour <laughs> My first three hour podcast. I thought that, too. I, I, I stopped doing podcasts. A guy kept me on for three hours and I told Matt I'm never doing another one Like yeah. where I'm a guest. Fuck that. And we, and we owe him an extra thank you because he did have something at four that he just oh. kept running the train by. There, oh, so. shit. But, yeah. but it, it, here's the deal, you know, it, it's the culture and the chemistry that, that we have, you know, and, and this was great. I knew this the first time we talked on the phone, Savon, you know, when we yeah. talked on the phone, I'm like, oh, we're going to be in each other's lives. I don't know how, but we're going to be in each other's lives and we're going to do some things together. Uh, so to be able to do this, to have this to, to come to fruition has been incredibly valuable to me. So I thank you back. And I'm just going to end by saying Liver King out. Thank you, brother.